Hello and welcome to the Hub Systems Podcast, the voice of man's model moments, the blog of the various ramblings on the modelling and gaming antics of my son and I. My name is Alex Mann, and with me is my son, Oscar. Hello. Tonight we have frequent guest host Matt on the show to help us along. Hey everyone. Okay, so we've been holding off on Hit and Miss for a fair few weeks now, with the exception of the silly Special Collector's Edition Marine, and also we looked at the dropships for the Halo Ground Combat game last time. And quite a lot has been going on in the last month or so in terms of releases, so... So without further ado, let's dive straight into an episode-long edition of Hit or Miss. So first of all, we have that monolith of gaming, Games Workshop. Now, quite a lot has happened over the last five or six weeks in both the Age of Sigmar and in Warhammer. Age of Sigmar has been busy. (laughs) Well, certainly they've been something. And... We've got quite a few little ones uh, on here. So we have uh, a few uh, special ones here. Now, let's have a little look. Uh, one of the ones that we missed uh, a few weeks ago was the Knight Hereldor 2. Quite why he's Knight Hereldor version 2. <laughs> it's like the sequel. Uh, I'm not sure. But this is a single mini, 28mm uh, scale as always, with his foot on a rock, of course, Skull on the base, of course, wielding a large sword and uh, holding a little trumpet. Little to, trumpet. Well, an enormous trumpet, about a, an eight foot long trumpet by the looks of it. And he's £15 for a single mini. And he is a typical uh, Sigmarine. And what more can we say about him? It, it all just looks like the others. Like, But I, he's holding a trumpet. <laughs> It doesn't mean I'm going to spend £15 on someone who looks slightly different because they're holding a trumpet, though. Exactly. So, for me, it's a miss. <laughs> it's a miss. Oh. We've got a lot to get through this episode, so... <laughs> uh, uh, okay, miss. Miss. <laughs> miss. 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 Okay. Goodbye, Knight Heraldar 2. I will say one positive thing for this, though, is the idea that even though this is a Knight Heraldar or Heraldar 2, it's... The idea of doing multiple designs for characters, but I don't know that this is a character versus a unit upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't this be in with your standard unit? I don't know. And unless he's offering some enormous in-game advantage, are you going to spend the extra money to buy a... Well, essentially, what is this in dollars? $22? $22? 25 25 wow. On the US side, it's showing up as 25 and the two versions of the knights, the only difference is he has his arm down to arm up with the horn, and his sword is more etched with larger print, so his friends can read the name of his sword easier. Okay. Well, it's always important to know what your friend's sword is called. So. Right. No innuendos at all there. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Uh, we missed the Lord Celestunt on Dracoth. And this is a £40, I'm guessing $60. I think so. I need to snag him on my side. And this is, get a little bit of fluff, born into Stormcast Eternals as a natural leader, blah, blah, blah. And it's a guy on a, well, it looks like a horse dragon. Without any wings. <laughs> and I'm guessing you just get a single mini. No, you get two. Uh, I think it's one that you, it's a multi-kit. Yeah, it's a multi-part oh, really? plastic kit containing all the components necessary to assemble a... Lord Celestine. Oh, well then the £40 thing is making me cry inside even more. So, you know, again, Games Workshop prices, 
we are accustomed to. Uh, but let's actually just talk about the Mini. So, I mean, it's it's quite fetished. It has lots of little uh, embellishments on the armour. The guy's carrying an axe that looks impossible to wield with... That looks like it's... It almost looks like there's a banner made of metal. <laughs> right, I was wondering about that. I was like, why do we have metal banners? I, I guess you're just... I, I, oh, man. Well, you can't guarantee you're going to have wind on the battlefield, and Taking nobody it. wants a limp banner. <laughs> Taking it to the next level. <laughs> and casting your banner in metal just prevents that embarrassment. I mean, just as a mini, it has a, the actual horse dragon thing has a very long tail with a little fork on the end, um, or a little arrowhead, which goes well over the base. And again, I'm just looking at this from the practicality side more than anything else. It's going to be a nightmare to to actually take anywhere. It's got a large flowing cloak off the actual guy. He's got some sort of, well, what do you call those? Tassels. <laughs> Tassel. <laughs> some some sort of pieces of cloth with script on, uh, again, that are flowing away, plus the banner on his axe, which is very large and protruding. His helmet is, you know, it has a large plume on it, plus the spikes. The actual uh, horse dragon thing has... Big spikes on its head, horns, big teeth. It's like how many breakable just, things can we fit yeah. onto one model? It's one bad fall. Yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> exactly. It's one bad fall with a lot of super glue. It's not a model I like. I think the actual horse dragon thing is too broad. It, I just think it looks a little bit ridiculous. Like it looks like he's someone's just told him a really funny joke or something. His facial expression just annoys me. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure he'd ever be able to close his mouth, which is probably why he's got a gaping jaw. Because <laughs> I'm not sure those big sabre teeth at the bottom, there don't seem to be any corresponding grooves that allow it to shut its mouth. So perhaps it's perpetually screaming that way. I don't know, but um, not a model that I particularly like uh, No, conceptually. And I just think, again, from a gaming point of view, very difficult to carry around. And £40 is... For one? I mean, for two is bad. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> So for me, sixty-five dollars. Yeah, sixty-five dollars. <laughs> so Games Workshop are putting a real premium, considering the exchange rate has come down against the dollar from the pound. That does not affect Games Workshop. That's, <laughs> of course, <laughs> silly me. I, I apologise. I, I shouldn't have involved basic economic maths to uh, to predict their pricing. So yeah, for me, it's a miss. Miss. Yeah, it's going to be a miss. I, you know, I'm looking at it going. What was his design concept? I, I want to know where the original concepts were for this faction, because a lot of the factions they do for Games Workshop, even like the, I guess, what was that, the, uh, they did the Tech Marines sort of guys for recently for 40K in the last, what, three, two, three years, and they had yeah. a, the right feel, they were all unified, they had some goofy models, but overall, they fit into the universe, and I just don't see these guys fitting with any of the other models. Yeah. It's uh, just the fact that they... It's like they have the basic idea of it and then they just keep adding stuff and they don't know when to stop putting crap on the model. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, actually. The point at where you stop adding things is, I think, the point it's of crucial. genius. Yeah. yeah, I think that makes... The, um, the mark of a good design is knowing when to stop. And rather than more isn't more. Or is it the the thing is we must be able to copyright all the material on here by adding this excessive amounts of iconography in here. Just think of like the recent corn stuff in the last couple of years where he has corn yeah. symbols on the bottom of his feet. 
because yeah. that was necessary. <laughs> yeah, because you want to know where corn has been, right? Right. I can just imagine <laughs> that now, actually. Um, you know, because the disembodied corpses and things of your enemies wouldn't give that clue. So you yeah. need to make sure that your footprints actually have that symbol. Worst CSI in team ever. I don't know who killed these guys. <laughs> All these blood. guys are dead. Yeah, there's blood everywhere. There's no skulls. Who could it be? Nurgle? It's like <laughs> must have been <laughs> I mean, the other thing, it, uh, just, I mean, I, I hate to kick a guy when he's down, but, but this is Games Workshop, so I'll, I'll make an exception. If you just look at the guy's feet. Okay, you were looking at the feet as well. I'm not the only I, one. No, it's, what is going on with these feet? It's like the, <laughs> the claws on its feet aren't actually the point of t- contact with the ground. It's like it's got a pad underneath its foot. It's like, it, yeah, it's like he's got a, a cube or a brick or something that he's actually yeah. standing on. It, I just think they look everything. They just, just make it look really odd. It's like it's wearing, I don't know, like yeah, you know, like it's got foam stuck to the bottom of its foot or something. <laughs> it's got big pads. It's got a corn symbol underneath. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm afraid, Lord Celestont, you are a miss. Uh, and the Dracoth is a big, big miss for me. We have the Gore Chosen Champions. Now, the Gore Chosen Champions, you have three minis. They are a quite staggering £54, and you get three minis. And they are, well, basically characters um, for Chaos. And. Well, at least the model counts three. Not well, the model count is three. three. Yeah. $30 per model US, so that's that's a lot. That that is a lot. Jeez. Yeah. Now the models themselves. You look, there's a skull. I would say, well, they do commit some cardinal sins. Okay, we have two skulls on the base there. We have the guy with his foot on a skull rather than on a rock, um, because they didn't want to commit that sin, obviously. Um, we have the guy with the spear, which has various skulls on chains <laughs> from the spear. Uh, and skulls on his belt. Now his pose, though, his pose, he has his, he's holding the spear over his head, one arm grip one way, one arm grip the other way. This guy looks like John Cena on extra steroids. He is massive. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't understand. Maybe this is like, this, their job here is more bodybuilder posing than actual combat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does look like he's gone to a contest. He's like, look at me. Look at my muscles. Look how ripped I am. I can hold the spear in this way. I mean, this is like the new Viking reality TV show for bodybuilders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a minute, this guy will rip through the massive iron chest plate. So he's gone. Yeah, and then you have the third guy who is obviously, I think he might be corn. I don't know. I, why would you say that? <laughs> really? Really? I, I just, uh, there's a few symbols of corn there. There's three on his tabard, which also has a corn symbol on it, obviously. Uh, his helmet is a bit of a clue because it's a huge corn symbol. But actually, if it wasn't for all the fetishization, if I can say that word, the actual model, it has some, it has some dynamism to it. It's, you know, he's running along. He's carrying his weapons, like one in front, one behind, ready to smack into somebody. It has some, you know, it looks a bit fluid. It's got a silly chain, which is coming oh, yeah. over the second Which one, you know which, is going to break off. Yeah, which will last about ten minutes. And the other thing I don't like about this model, just to cover that first, is if you look at his boots, they look like they've been cap- sort of 
chiselled out of stone. I wasn't going to say that about his shoes, but I was going to say it's the way that he's wearing this massive, like, metal armour and everything. But his shoes look like fabric boots. Stone, yeah. Fabric? I think they look like they've been made out of stone because they've got these hard edges. Yeah, I know. That, I think that's what it's trying to do, though, isn't it? But they just sort of, they don't I match know. at all. Well, his dynamic move is nice. The only problem I'm looking at is take his left hand, replace with a bag of groceries, take his right hand with a bouquet of flowers, <laughs> and he's running home because he's late and forgot something, and he needs to go ahead and get back good with his, his love because he's just... I do. I am not afraid of this man. He he is definitely imposing and ready to move forward. But I, I... do you know, Matt? If if I ever come across this in some sort of bargain basement sale, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Oh, that would make <laughs> it amazing. That would make a hit for me. <laughs> so there are elements of these models that I actually do quite like. I like this guy's helmet. Um, you know, each of the models has something about them that you can think actually that that's good. But yeah. each of them also commits some various sins. There's the guy with the big, mor- I think it's supposed to be a morning star, isn't it? A chain with a big ball with spikes on the end and a, a sword, which seems to have been carved from a very, very thick piece of stone. <laughs> um, you know, the weapons are ridiculous. Um, but actually, some of them, the actual torso of the model, I think is quite good. You know? Yeah, they're not bad. Mod- See, actually, the, the chaos stuff. On, like, sometimes, actually isn't that bad. No, I, I do think the guy with the spear is probably the most ridiculous of them all. Yes. Because I think, as you said, Matt, he does look like he's just posing. Yeah, it, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things that's like, it doesn't make any sense. Are you going to hit someone? How are you going to hit someone? <laughs> I, yeah, and I tell you what, as well, with some of the, the recent Age of Sigmar models, I don't know what it is, but I, I almost mentioned it on the, the Sigmarine before. Uh, the guy with the trumpet. But if you just look, I'm looking now at the back picture of the guy with the spear on the 360. And if you look at his calves, if you look at the diameter of that, I don't know where, whether, you know, if bodybuilding in the Age of Sigmar makes your legs really fat, but all of these models have really chunky legs. Well, they don't miss leg day. They, they are <laughs> definitely here never, to never go ahead and... I mean, is this just where they store their body fat like a camel, you know, puts it in its hump? They, they seem to store it in their calves because they're just, I mean, they're improbably, their thighs for a start are improbably short. I mean, they must all have dwarf heritage somewhere. And then their calves and lower leg are just massive. I mean, that, that's almost as wide as it is long. It's almost as thick as I mean, I don't have particularly arm. long legs, but the proportion of my leg doesn't approach that i would have to put on a good 300 extra pounds and become shorter (laughs) before my leg approached looking like that um and i can assure you no amount of bodybuilding will ever make my legs well i have a theory and i know people will definitely disagree with this at some point but because we have age of sigmar i keep joking with a good buddy of mine who still has all his 40k stuff and i i still have yet to get rid of mine but we keep joking, it's like, well, we're going to get the Age of Sanguinius come out here soon, so both of these groups can play <laughs> together. And if that's the case, these models are probably big or bigger than Space Marine models, so you could put them together on the same table, where I keep like thinking in the back of my head, there has to be a marketing guy over there with all their bad decisions going, we're just going to go ahead and do no-point Space Marines, model versus model, so you can take it five Imperial Knights versus five Orc Boys, and you're going to have so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
maybe will happen. That could be quite predictive. <laughs> well, we got a new edition here coming apparently, supposedly this fall, is the very early in rumors. I look forward to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on, I think uh, for me, those three are unfortunately misses. Basically, some of the sculpting issues and the price just for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. Yeah, it's definitely a miss. Yeah. So, sorry, Age of Sigmar, we're not doing well on you, but uh, it's your own fault. So, now we move on to the Virulent Horde, which, unfortunately, in the few weeks that we've missed this, we have missed the opportunity to buy it. It is sold out. You can no longer buy the Virulent Horde um, from Gay's Workshop. Now, this was a various uh, collection of um, Skaven models, including the Vermin Lord Corruptor, who, um, maybe we could talk about that for a little while, is, I think, a pretty nice model. Although he makes some typical Games Workshop cardinal sins, as in, even though he is a massive model, he still feels the need to put his cloven hoof foot up on a big rock. Why? He could really do that. that. He doesn't need that. Um, he's gone out of his way to find a rock big enough. <laughs> a nice tall rock as well. I mean, I do actually quite like the sculpt. I think it's it's quite cool. It looks pretty nasty. You know, it's got a good sense of movement to it and stuff. But would I ever use this in a game? It would be more like a centerpiece model for me. It kind of deal. One of those yeah, things, and I wouldn't ever take it out of the house because his tail is this split. Well, everything is long, about sweeping thing which goes from his back around the front and up, ending in two sort of sides uh, with little blades all the way along. Which I mean, that's going to be so fragile. He has this tabard thing coming out in the front. Not to mention his horns. He has these big horns coming out the back. He's got two blades. Everything about it actually with his, imparts a sense of movement and looks cool in it is everything that says to me this model will never leave my workshop. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to break. Yeah, now this is part of the line that came out when uh, the End Times campaign when they were killing off the Warhammer Fantasy World. So this was one of the kits that came out. All the kits that came out during that time that were not related to a core army book release of the core game had the idea and feel of a centerpiece model that you're going to put on a shelf. Yeah. Where they're all of them are beautiful in their own aspects, but to be able to transport, to be able to get them around, one bad mistake, if you, you drop them, it's gone. And there was some definite problems. Wow, that model is old. Yeah, and I think that's the... Sorry, I just brought up the, uh, the little Skaven with the, the book and the um, sort of... Staff. Yeah, staff. Like a plague creature of some Plague sensor sort of thing. And really just to illustrate that point that you were making there, Matt, is that these models aren't new. (laughs) They pretty much just added the Vermin Lord guy. Well, and the Vermin Lord guy came out from the end times. He's not new. He's not a new model. He's a newer model. What are they doing? (laughs) He's certainly newer than this guy, uh, the little rat guy who's been out forever. Um, I mean, how old would you say this, this model is, Matt? Oh my god, if you just look at the design of it, you're probably saying that has to at least be early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. So That's in excess of 10 years, certainly. And, you know, you look at some of these other guys as well. All these Skaven are old-style Skaven. Right. You know, they, they aren't new models. And again, it amazes me in some ways that this is sold out. In other ways, I can understand it. Now, is it sold out or currently unavailable, and that's the only thing they can do is a sold-out sign? 
Well, yeah. Who knows? The thing is, though, because they've got these models which are so old, compared to this Verminal guy, who I know isn't new, but he's newer, there's just going to be this massive contrast, isn't there, about the... Well, that is another part of it. So for me, again, this is... I mean, this is not a new release. Uh, it wasn't a new release when it was announced. Obviously, it's sold out now, or not available, or whatever. Whatever Games Workshop of you know, maybe it was like, these are the last models we found in the back of the cupboard. <laughs> we, we've cobbled them together in something we're going to try way. and get £105 for them. Um, it worked. Which obviously worked, they cleared that out. But it's in terms of a new release, it's not a new release, so I can't call it a hit, even though I like elements of the other models there. Mm. So as a hit or miss, again, it's a miss for me conceptually. Uh, it's just not a new release, right? Yeah, that's true. It's a big miss because you have the huge death of Warhammer Fantasy and the massive armies that people had for Warhammer Fantasy, this excess of models in the community. And I don't believe, from everything I've seen in early rumors, that, that Age of Sigmar is not exactly doing as well as predicted by the company. Yeah. Not by the community, but by the company itself. And so you have these massive ranges of models that people go, all right, I'm selling this for nothing. Here's garage sale prices and just take my stuff. And so you have this huge amount. I, I can't imagine, you know, that stuff's going for all that much on eBay at this point for secondhand. Well, yeah, because what are you going to play it in? Um, I mean, right. unless you go to another game system, which people obviously are doing. But I mean, actually, I'm just looking now, we're moving on to the Tempest Lords, um, which is £107. These are new models, and these are still available. Now, I can understand, looking back to the, the Skaven lot, there that, was have a big, that was a lot pounds. of models. There were a lot me. of models for less money, maybe your last chance to get them. And if you are not playing Age of Sigma, but playing Warhammer in some other iteration, maybe this is a good deal. You get so big centerpiece those... models. There was a big catapult yeah. as well. This and is... you get the garage sale prices. This is 13 models. 13 models, exactly. <laughs> 13 models for actually slightly more, £107 now, of the new Sigmarine kind of aesthetic, which... Is disgusting. I mean, well, some people like it, but uh, I must admit... I just can't get like, those angel them. wings, the spikes on them. Well, to me, I mean, actually, when I first looked at these, I actually thought they were Space Marines, because there's a guy here who obviously has these wings which aren't supporting him by himself. You can imagine these being the stylized wings. If you painted these guys red... And made, right, Blood Angels. And made, yeah, I made them Blood Angels. They would be perfect. And what's he holding his hand? And because of the way this sort of hammer is held, I thought that was a bolter. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, even the other one looks as well. Yep. So it just looks like... I was like, oh, yeah, that's quite... A, oh, no, it's, uh, it's a fancy <laughs> it's model. So, yeah, and again, the Tempest Lords, let's just talk about those for a minute. You have three flying models, all of which have these large, spiky Age of Sigmar wings we've seen, large hammers... And they're supported from their bases on two trailing um, ribbons of fabric with symbols on. I don't know what it is about Age of Sigma, but they just like making breakable things. Yeah, I mean, I look at these and I think I'm talking about their duration in transport of in the order of minutes. <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, again, like you said, Matt, it's one bad fall. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm actually looking over because... 
I think this is just them combining three box sets into one yes. for the same exact price. It is, yes. Which we have seen on all of these releases previously. So you have the Tempest, uh, so you have the, the guys with the hammers. Uh, what are they called? You have the guys with the hammers. Retributors. It looks like the Retributors. And then yeah. you have those guys, which are the Liberators. So that's a $50 box set for my side. It, the, the hammer guys are 58 and then the other guys are 60 So the box combined set for me is $180. That doesn't even add up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm spending more money to get these guys as a bundle pack. Is there some sort of special exclusive rules for them? That, that you... It's the exchange rate, Matt. Uh, obviously, when you have the exchange rate on combined sets to the US, uh, the price goes up. Uh, yeah, apparently it, so. Yeah. It's Games Workshop Economic Law. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, we've seen this combination of, of kits into a single box or set of boxes or release, whatever you want to call it, um, given a new name, in this case the Tempest Lords, and given a price which is exactly the same as all the other boxes added together. I do not understand this as a marketing strategy. I have never seen it in any company that I've worked for. It's always buy three boxes and you get a 20% discount or whatever it is in order to shift more boxes. Whereas Games Workshop, I mean, if I look at this, I think, well, I don't like the flying guy, so I'll just buy the other two separately. I'm not losing anything. You know, maybe if this was discounted, I think, well, I might as well get the big box because it's not that much more. Maybe that's what people think. They're trying to catch them off guard. Well, which is a very cynical thing, isn't it? If think, yeah. people think they're getting a discount but can't be bothered to add up, then it's a stupidity tax, I guess. That's where I just don't understand. It's the convenience one click. Because you in the old days, yeah. Games Workshop did that. They had these army boxes and empire boxes and the the even the two tiers, the lower tier army one than the one that was a couple hundred dollars to give you a bigger kind of ready-to-go set. So it's interesting seeing that... I, they don't want to give you discounts, but you can go ahead and get discounts other locations. Yeah, it's very, very odd. Very odd. Anyway, let's let's finish up uh, the older Age of Sigmar new releases or pre-releases uh, with the Dracothian Guard. And we're back to the strange horse dragon model. <laughs> but this is like the same thing with a different guy on it. Exactly. So it's a miss from me. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to move on. Yeah. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so there we go. Oh, and by the way, if I, I should have said hit or miss on the uh, the Lord Tempest dudes. I think it's pretty obvious, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> okay, so it's a miss all round. So next we move on to some of the more recent uh, pre-releases um, for Games Workshop Age of Sigma. So it's the new releases for Vampire Counts. We have King Vlagorescu's Ghoulish Host, uh, which incorporates a whole bunch of other new releases which, of course, are not new releases. We got some combinations here. So if we go back, there's... It looks like they've mixed the Var... Or was it? Not the Vargeist and and the Crypt Horrors, as well as mixed some of these models together from the old Vampire Counts range. So we have, you know, things we've seen before. The Terrorgeist, uh, which is not a new model. The Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. Which is just the counter kit. Yeah, a very old model. We have the zombie dragon. Now, and again, specifically why I called out the zombie dragon and the vampire lord on zombie dragon, and I'll bring this up again in a second, is you can buy a zombie dragon for £36. 
you can buy a vampire lord on a zombie dragon for £36. So why wouldn't you... Why would you ever buy the zombie dragon by itself? <laughs> because why not get the, the vampire lord on the zombie dragon? Even if you don't ever intend to use the zombie... Uh, sorry, the vampire lord. It's because you've got some, piece. You've got some extra bits for your, your bit box. It's exactly the same price. Well, it's the same kit as the Terrorgeist. It's it's the same. I was going to say, aren't there four different kits of practically the same thing? Or is it three? This is actually, that model has the same root base elements as the other one. It comes as a multi-part kit, so it's just, I don't know if you can even buy it now that way. Has it just got a different head or something? Yeah, so, uh, again, I just wonder at... Who in Games Workshop is doing this marketing? <laughs> it just seems very, very odd to me. I mean, I would love to see the sales figures for the Zombie Dragon kit and see who bought it. I'd love to do some customer surveys. As, Why did you buy the Zombie Dragon kit? As opposed to the Vampire Lord and the Zombie Dragon. And just see if people say, <laughs> well, I didn't want the Vampire Lord. But it's the same price. Yeah, but, but I didn't want the vampire. That's like someone <laughs> saying, oh, do you want something for free? No, no thanks. No, I don't want that. <laughs> but why? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't really get that. And again, none of these are new kits. So for me, they don't fit the criteria for new releases. No. And therefore, by default, they're automatic misses. Now we have the Warhammer Quest Mighty Heroes. Now, is Warhammer Quest is the old game that they redid as a like a mobile game is, is am i not mistaken on that or am i completely off on i don't really know <laughs> uh i mean one of the things they do have on their uh their main page is the warhammer quest silver tower the the classic game uh updated so they are releasing uh this as a separate game which is a wonderful price of £95. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's just click what's in the box. So you get... And then they talk about all of the, the, the models you get. A Fire Slayer Doom Seeker, which is one of the horrible ginger dwarfs from Age of Sigma. So oh. basically they've updated this game with the new minis. Yeah, I just can't get away what I can from see. how disgustingly bright and horrible the game tiles are. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we're a bit of a segue here to to this, but it's an Age of Sigmarized Warhammer quest, effectively. So, again, it's a game they have. It's a board game. They're selling additional one-off models or reprinted models they already have, and they're all unpainted as a classic Games Workshop element to have an easy out-of-the-used box that aren't... They're all probably gray plastic, I'm guessing, and... You're not going to have. It's just it's not a good buy for the. the <laughs> okay, so let, let's talk board games. Board games, good board games, cost you about a hundred dollars US, as far as in general, just a broad blanket statement. And generally, that's known as the European style of board games, where you're getting quality pieces, quality tiles. You're getting your better value for your money. You're willing to spend it to get it back to you. Yeah. Here, you're looking at for. It's $205 US for something that's unpainted and in cardboard cutouts. Yeah. And the... But, Matt, if you don't want to buy that game, 
this is where the Warhammer Quest Mighty Heroes come in, because why spend £95 on the board game that you don't want with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 16, 20, 26, 34, 42, 50 miniatures in. So why mm-hmm. spend £95 getting 50 miniatures when you can spend £35 and get four? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How much money you have saved? You've saved £60, and you're only missing out on 56 minis. <laughs> Just the logic is undeniable. Yeah. So this is where these, these uh, minis come in. Basically, if you want these four heroes and don't want to buy the Warhammer Quest game, here you go. You could buy this. So you have a... Uh, extremely breakable. Extremely breakable <laughs> uh, Sigmarine with, with a parrot. spiky wings and uh, fire parrot. Uh, again, he's suspended with two scrolls. Everything about this ground. is going to break. His wings are all spiky. He's got bow and arrow, which is points. The, I don't even know how... the the bird is the bird staying is, up. is connected to his foot by a feather. Oh, that's got to be robust. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty incredible. And I he has, uh, yeah, exactly. He's got a bow with a, a huge spear arrow poking out. He hasn't got any more spear arrows, so I hope he's going to make would, that one shot count. I would. It's <laughs> a good point, actually. He only has the one. Oh no, he doesn't. Sorry, sorry. No, he, oh, no, he has no, three. No, he has three. Three shots. Got to make him count. No. Um, Considering it, you can take unlimited <laughs> amounts of people, so I mean everything about this. I would even be nervous about keeping this at home. <laughs> it just looks super fragile. I mean, I actually quite like it as a mini. I think it's quite nice. But, I have to disagree with you on that, but you know, personal preference. But you know, I, I mean, I can imagine painting this up and spending, you know, quite some time painting it up. Yeah, I understand that being it's like um, a character model. You can spend quite a lot of time making it look nice. But it, I would, it would spend its entire life in a glass case. <laughs> yeah, a bulletproof one. <laughs> <laughs> Padded with foam. <laughs> Uh, then we have an entirely forgettable chaos guy. I was going to say, <laughs> this is meant to be mighty heroes. This guy is even more boring than like the people that you get in Mo- Well, I think just compare and contrast. You've got this guy who is just, you know... It's like they have... He's wings and, you know, he's super armour. He's amazing headdress, which looks incredibly <laughs> improbable. He's, you know, he's flying phoenix bird, whatever it is. You know, he's, like, really majestic. And then the very next guy you look at looks like he's like the local drunk out of the tavern who's picked a box. <laughs> it's almost like they've said, okay, you've got ten hours to create both of these. They spent nine on one. And <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, crap, we had two. Oh, I think it's ten hours each. Oh, right, okay, I'll just knock this guy up. You know. Yeah, he's, he's a semi-naked dude with an axe. I feel like he could come in the standard corn box. He does yeah. feel just like a standard guy. That's... Wait, this guy's from corn? How, how, how could you tell him that? Um, he has a stamp on his backside. <laughs> yeah, he has a corn ass. I bet uh, that sounded better in your head. <laughs> and I did tell my wife I was going to do hot or not on models tonight, and she'd even blink an eyelash at that and just go. <laughs> then I realized, like, you, well, I guess it's not hot or not. It's hit or miss, and it's on like miniature models. She goes, 
either way, I knew you're a big dork and you're just going to be looking at toys. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy, though, doesn't commit the cardinal sin of putting his foot on a rock or putting his foot on a skull. He has managed to arrange, what, one, two, three, four, five, six skulls in a way that he can put his foot on a I'm sorry, that got me. It's like, <laughs> as if it wasn't stupid enough, he's like, he's managed to, like, like get down, kind of scoop some skulls together. <laughs> In a way that's stable enough to put his foot on. But Dad, in the Warhammer world, everyone dies with their heads touching each other in such a way. Yeah, and skulls always hit the ground jaw side down. Well, what had happened is someone had spit bubblegum on the ground and got it on the bottom of his shoe. <laughs> and he kept walking along. He's actually just pissed off because he has his damn skulls stuck to the bottom of his boot. <laughs> that's right. Every, t- every step he takes, he's like... <laughs> Look, you can tell he's about to start another collection on his left foot. Yeah, he just managed to avoid one skull on the base, so... Yeah, that's why he's screaming. Yeah. Is that what happened to this chain on his back as well? <laughs> just picking up on the one skulls. That he seems to use his toilet paper. <laughs> so basically, this one's bad, yeah. is what we're trying to say. So that is, that is pretty bad. Then we have... This is something from a... Oh, wait, no. No, no. We have... We've covered this guy before. Yeah, we've talked oh, about he, him. Okay, you've already seen this guy? He's a little dwarf with the uh, the braided beard and the stupid sensor with molded Look, fire I like smoke. his helmet, and that's about it. And we should leave him, because he's a big miss. And <laughs> <laughs> It's like I'm staring at the, uh, what is it, the screen? Is that what the painting's called? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the well, only... He's an old model too. It's one of the old Zinch casters, and, and yeah. we got a close up of him. That's uh, but that's, that's the only picture we have of him. We just have a picture of his face. We don't actually get the which model. looks like it's been snapped by some paparazzi. It's been caught oh. doing something you should have. What? <laughs> the police just put out a report looking for this guy, looking for this child molester, out on the public. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this man? Amber alert. <laughs> yeah. Three yellow eyes, slit pupils. <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, not no. good. <laughs> not good. I mean thirty five pounds again for four minis. It's And two of them are, are rebuilds of older ones that you could already have had at some point. And one yeah. of them is not very good. Uh, uh, um, well, well, yeah. Oh, and one of them is a stupid dwarf. So, miss from me? Yep, same. Yeah. It's now, like you may think we're biased against Age of Sigma here, and you'd be right. So, next we have the Crypt Flayers, which I believe are existing models. No, okay, so these are new ones. Oh, these are new ones. That, okay. This is a screw-up, in my opinion. This was a a bad decision where they had... It was a Crypt Horror. Oh, it's a Crypt Horror. Var, Vargeist, oh. And so... You have this kind of like ghoulish face and ghoul back, but if on the other kit, if we go to find whatever the Vargeist is called now, and they're still Vargeist. Yeah, there we go. So it's the same head, or it's a replacement of head and back, but same wings for these guys. And so this was a bad opportunity missed where they either re sculpted or did something that you could have gone ahead and mix and match to create entirely two new units out of what was given for this back when Vampire Counts got their last release for this stuff. Now they decided at Age of Sigmar to come out with a combination of this stuff. It was, hey, uh, I'm sorry, we just finally gave you the ability to mix and match these bits that all came in the multi-part kit. It it was just, I don't know, this was just a 
poor example of oddly released timing for models. And we've seen this before in recent releases as well, haven't we? Sort of multi-part uh, models or multi-kits being released as separate kits. Um, yeah, I mean, there's very little difference, really, between the Vargeists and the Crypt Flayers. Um, really, are they? I mean, the Vargeists have bigger ears. Um, right, it's a bat-esque <laughs> head in bat-back versus a ghoul head in a ghoul-back. Yeah. Everything's the same beyond that. Because these guys originally made the Vargeist in the Crypt Horror model, which basically was the ghoul head in back with ghoul arms. That's the only difference between yeah. the models. Uh, well, and that's one of the reasons I thought they were they were old, is that they really haven't changed that and, much. Well, okay, so they technically are old. They're all the same yeah. pieces. So let's say we go ahead and grab the... Let's say the Crypt Flayers and pull up the, um, I guess, Ghoul, what are they, um, Crypt Horrors? Yep, yep, Crypt Horrors, thing. Okay, so that's basically what the alternate kit is. So basically, instead of giving them the option back in the day to go ahead and go, well, you can use whatever wings you want or arms and give yourself this unit, we decided to do that now because it all fits together because it's all the same components. Yeah. So, yes, technically it's a new, but it's an old model set they've just allowed you to configure in a different way. And supposedly, I'm guessing they've given you rules because I, I Age of Sigmar is not played anywhere in the state, I believe. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's £29. <laughs> and interestingly enough, the box for the... Crypt Horrors <laughs> is clip, crypt For the Crypt flame. Flayers, it actually comes up as the Crypt Horrors, so... That kind of tells oh, well, that's interesting. Oh, it is. It's the same kit. Ah. Yeah, it's all the same kit, and yeah. you just build it whatever way you want. And yet it has two different entries. Yeah, so, again, you know, I don't know why Games Workshop keep continuously trying to tell us that new releases are new releases when they're, they're not. All right, I, they must be repackaging them. So I'm just going to say that all these old models are just being repackaged to have, I guess, a, a new feel. Yeah. Uh, it's so obvious that they're not even having the new feel, is it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not familiar with these ranges, so the Crypt Haunter Courtier, again, looks like it's the uh, adaptation of exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> it's the vampire head on the Crypt Ghoul body, or Crypt yeah. Horror body, and alright, cool, it's the same thing, cool, now you got a whole other unit. Mix yeah. and match. And uh, £29, although, looking at the box, it's the same box. So, <laughs> And and again, same game. And the Crypt Infernal Courtier is the same. So, so far we've covered that four or five different releases, all of which are the same box. Oh, um, guess what, Crypt Ghouls? This is um, two releases ago, so this would be... Yeah. This would be like 90 or 08, 09, I think, is when this these guys came out, if not earlier. Okay, so let's just talk about that a second, because the Crypt Ghouls, I mean, just looking at them, I mean, these are not particularly bad models. <laughs> no, this was and... their updated to to better... In Games Workshop, I we have some weird design styles that are showing up now, but overall, they had some great designers in there. And I, okay, let's let's be honest. A lot of their designers leave to go to work for other companies. Yeah. But we have we have a lot of good designs that came up throughout the time. And the Crypt Ghouls, which is the pretty much the classic stuff that you would have been seeing for a long time, functionally work. They go together well. Um, I mean, a lot of this vampire count stuff was updated when actually I was looking at it when I was looking at fantasy because I'm not 
traditionally a fancy kind of aficionado. Um, but I was looking at this stuff and thinking, actually, this stuff, you know, I quite like the undead. This kind of looks quite cool. And that was quite some time ago now since we even got out of the Games Workshop scene at all. So yeah. this does come from what I would... I mean, and I think of that as kind of Games Workshop's heyday. That's when they seem to have been producing... You know, they're getting into these multi-part kits, um, doing multi-models. The quality was really good. The detail was really good. Uh, and the prices were starting to creep up, but then we started getting slammed with the 30% price increases. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when they started to lose the plot for me. Uh, and these are releases that come back from that time, yeah. aren't they? And yeah, to me, it's almost an admission of defeat. I was going to say, these models... We haven't made anything as good as this since, so we're just going to repackage it. See, these models don't... They're not bad models. I quite like them. I like, like you said, I like yeah. the undead. I think they're pretty cool. But it's the fact that they're just calling them new when they're so obviously not. Well, the Vargulf... Look, got the Vargulf courtier here. Or courtier, however you want to say it. Um, I'm putting that European spin on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is very old. <laughs> I mean... He's very old, but it's a cool model. I like this. This is one of the ones that I thought, you know, actually... Yeah, he's really cool. I might get into fantasy after all, because, you know, I, I like I will this. say I'm that sure. their designs for vampires were very, very unique, because there's a lot of really pretty vampires in the world, and Games Workshop went with a very dark, very nasty, very gross and undead feel, which was very counterculture to yeah. the vampire mythos that, that kind of pop culture had brought out. Yeah, and this, I remember at the time, actually, and I think this was a PlayStation 2 game uh, where, I can't remember the name of it now, um, but you played a vampire, and it was very much like this. It was the dark, you know, really beastly-looking uh, kind of thing. Not you the know, kind of... No, not the, like, Twilight kind of vampire. Ugh. Uh, and it was pre-Twilight, I think. Or Who even likes that time. But... This is why this appealed to me. I thought this is quite cool. This is getting into that sort really of nice. dark yeah, a... vampire feel. This right? is before they started just cramming loads of extra stuff on their models. Well, like he's he's exactly. quite a simple model in terms of stuff, but that makes him really cool. Thank you, Matt. Matt has just reminded me it's Legacy of Cain. <laughs> you know, if you look at this model, though, I mean, in terms of fetishes, I'm sorry, in terms of fetishes, there are none. You know, it's just. This hideous, sort of almost wolf bat kind of undead hybrid thing. It looks nasty. And there is, oh, I almost just said there isn't a skull on the board, but there's one. Well, other than the fact there's a skull on the board. Yeah, but that's not even part of the model. So that's, that's someone put that on there because it was mandated there had to be a skull (laughs) on this base. Yeah, before we made it, it's like, someone's like, hang on a minute, where's the skull? He's not got, he's not got his foot on a rock. No, there's no foot on a rock. It's a flat base. It's, you know, this is. I just wish Games Workshop was still doing stuff like this because this, I think, is what made them great. Yeah, exactly. So, so for me, I mean, this is a hit. Like this this model is a hit, but, but it's, it's a new. miss because it's just not new. Yeah, uh... <laughs> exactly. And to me, it almost highlights the fact that the other stuff is a miss because it's again this good. this was <laughs> good stuff, and it's in contrast with some of the new stuff, which just seems almost comic book by comparison. Yeah. King Vlagorescu's ghoulish host is basically all of the models we've just slated. <laughs> uh, plus a couple of others, all in one box, for £135. Which, is that a good deal or not? I don't know. I'm going to say no. 
it's either equal or apparently <laughs> as like the uh, Sigmarines on my side of the pond is apparently upped by at least $10. Yeah, I think for our side, if you were going to get into if you've never seen Vampire Cats, if I was just seeing this for the first time, I think £135, if that's going to buy me a starter army, okay, I could do that. Obviously, in America, it would be too much because we charge you more. <laughs> well, see, obscure reason. Here's the issue: like if you were back in the day and wanted to play vampires, this would have been even ignoring the price here altogether. You would go awesome. Except now I need about seven, eight more boxes of ghouls and whatever else I'm going to do, <laughs> just because it, playing undead, these guys die fast overall. Well, I guess ghouls, ghouls are a little more survivable, do some decent damage, but overall, that's that whole concept. Here's an army. This is one of the reasons I never got into it. It's an army of resurrecting models and summoning in and spawning new models and creation of models. So now you effectively, this was one of our slowdowns in our local area of who was actually going to touch vampires. I played Tomb Kings. There's a horde army. Right, I played Tomb Kings. I cannot create new armies. My guys are just summoned back to life to refight. But I don't spawn in new guys. I don't want to be stuck with... uh, what was it? Whitech from uh, Garage Hammer. He was talking about having to painting a thousand zombies, and I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah. they're buying a mantic zombies all over the place." I, I I can't do that. Well, I did. I painted up like a full 230 orc boys for my horde army, green tie, <laughs> fully painted, and then I started getting in. I was like, "I love orcs. I'm gonna do orcs for fantasy," and got tons of the starter sets and like had like <laughs> was it, like 170 night elf goblins of various types, and then realized I'm like what's the matter with me? Why am I going to paint this all again? I can't do this, and I like painting. So, Matt, you mentioned that the orcs, or rather, what we should say now is the oryx. Oh, yes, I've seen these orcs. Because one of the things, of course, we have missed in the last few weeks is the release of the new Age of Sigma oryx. Because, of course, you can't trademark the word orc. Uh. So, we have quite a lot of new orcs, and they are new. Uh, we know they're new because they look horrible. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, those aren't new. They're just painted different. <laughs> so let's just start with the Ard Boys. And here you have, well, let's see. Well, okay, now th- we'll s- let's stop here because the problem was you clicked on a model that's painted somewhat reasonably. And not in a color scheme that just contrasts it so hard with the orcs. It just is weird and throws you. So all these orcs are painted in the bright yellow. Yes, there are a couple orc clans through both mythoses that have this really yellow look. But it's a hard counter contrast to what has already been brought up with the, the cultural designs of the reds, the blacks, and the other colors. Where this bright yellow against a green contrast of the skin really throws it beyond getting to the armor design of the weapons you have a just color design theory is heavily contrast to what what we've already seen and clashes with what we have here yeah uh, it's game work games workshop logic you know but is this exactly the same map did they really have this armor before so I, I just this is this is the old black or kit and so this is the old Black Orc model kit, if you're just curious from home and familiar with Warhammer Fantasy. The problem I have with Ard Boys is also a unit in 40k for, fan- for 40k orcs. So why are we using names that are overlapping the two genres? 
it was painted black or red. And again, that's the models and design for it. Those are actually fairly good models to rank up. They are not designed to be viewed actually in that 3D thing because they were designed to be in the rank system. So you have some weird cutting. Let's say look down towards the bottom in between the legs in the back where the chainmail is. It's not to be designed to be seen in this 3D area that we have it on. So they have all this extra space here because this was all regimental designed models. And these are actually fairly good models, and they're old. These are, I don't even know when they came out, but these have been around for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's odd, isn't it? Because to me, the painting of the yellow really draws the eye to the fact that it's got this very chunky armor, which makes it look different to me than I've seen all before. Um, but you're right. Actually, on examination, you do have, like you say, under the under the legs where you have the chainmail and stuff. It is obviously, you know, let's call it mass produced. Uh, plastic rather than the sort of the individual champion type stuff that they've been doing recently. Uh, like you say, they're, they're designed to be ranked up. This was also a great kit to um, modify with 40k works. So you saw a lot of these models being converted over and changed into knobs because they were about the same scale, yeah. change up the weapons on them. I did this. I saw other people doing this. This was a fairly popular good kit. The yellow definitely is striking on here, but again, it's just a recolor of old models. Here's one thing I don't understand. How come that they can have full like metal suits, but this guy still has to use a, a stick with a skull on the end as a weapon? <laughs> uh, if you actually find the model, that's supposed to be the drummer. He's supposed uh, to be he he's drum drum. left hand. Oh, okay, I stand corrected. So, so he's not... Oh, there he is in the front. Okay, so he's a musician for that unit because musicians had a place they in did, everything. They did, they did. But yes... In the picture itself, it only shows him holding a stick with a skull on the end because he's like, I didn't bring it on my base, I have it on my stick. <laughs> he looks very proud of himself with it. But then again, why is he using a skull to hit a drum? It, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. So these guys are new, and this is a... They're interesting. And let me talk about the name of the Uarks. So I've been playing the Total War Warhammer, and... The Uruk name was really bothering me for the Age of Sigmar, just cha- trademarking the name, all sorts of goofiness. And they call, apparently the, this is what the dwarves called them in there. And I started digging through, and it's the dwarven name for orcs. So, I, and I, and some fantasy fluff nuts gonna probably tell me, Matt, no, you're wrong on this. It's this from this location. Okay, but. For what everything it seems, it looks like the dwarves call them Uarks in the game, and that's where we're getting this name from. But again, you know, it's... why? It makes more <laughs> sense, though. I, I, at least I have a location of reference. I might yeah. not agree with it. At least I understand where they're coming from. So, what do you guys think of this here? Um, this. So these are the Gorgrenters. I'm loving the overly-sized head. Um, I mean, to me, this is a... This is a failure on a, a modelling point of view because this Gorgrunter looks like it's it's not moving. That is a failure on um, many different levels. I mean, it's holding its leg up, but it looks like it's it is. a pointer. You know, the dog. Yeah. Like it's just it's found, like sniffing it, it's just found like a pheasant that, that way. The, the, land, there. the landlord has shot. And it's like, there, there it is. But the way everything else is suggesting that it's running uh, at speed. So this guy's also like a Pomeranian. He's all hair and no body. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's... and it's sort of like a pelican in a way. Well, that's, that's what it. the head reminds me. Of. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. If it was moving fast, though, surely this this would be flowing. Yeah, but like everything on, like the orc's hair is going straight back, flying. He's in a position to suggest that he's charging forward. I mean, this doesn't look like a new model. I must say, from the sculpting on that that fur, that looks they're not good with fur. Oh. They've never been good no. with fur. That's bad. Uh, uh, this model, the the beast it's riding, would remind me of something I would see in Star Wars it, of a bad, <laughs> like CG <laughs> yeah. Star Wars creature. You're going, well, I guess it's a damn alien. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. It's a banther. <laughs> we got sand raiders on top of them. Yeah, so some Tuscan raiders riding these things. But okay, so this goes over to some poor designs for orcs because I do like orcs, but we don't need top knots on every single orc model. We don't need the extra fetish skulls on them. And it has a blend of the old Savage Orc design with the, the weaponry, but it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and £48 for three. It's, it's better priced for the other models uh, we've seen today. It's still quite expensive. Well, yeah, I'm not um, saying it's a good and price. for this sculpt, I wouldn't pay it. No. <laughs> it's it's not good. What else do we have here? We have the Oric Warbus... Warbus? <laughs> Warboss on a wyvern. Uh, now, is this a new model? I, I, I swear I've seen it somewhere before. Yeah, because I think it's about as old as you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. It even has a square base, which I thought they were getting rid of the square bases. They just haven't edited it out. Photoshopping it in the next one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, doesn't look, look like at the guy. He doesn't even like match the rest of the orcs. It, it looks like an old model. Oh, this thing's ah, interesting. No, this, this looks like it probably is a new model. <laughs> Gordrak, fist of gork. I'm sorry. What? Oh, you know why? Because that's Azhag. I think that's the old character model from the last one. I'm just trying to look it up and, and dig through this. I'm like, I think I know this guy. Right. So yeah, here you have okay, this- big orc boss on a big sort of uh, toad. Dragon thing, yeah. That thing it has wings. It's never coming off the ground. Is where, that fire? Where are its eyes? Oh, there. Yeah, there. Tiny eyes. Tiny, tiny, tiny eyes. eyes. I'm surprised it can see. Now that would be a sight to see, wouldn't it? That thing running in to battle, just like hitting a rock. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of, I mean, just conceptually as a big model, yeah. I'm going to be less worried about this thing breaking when I'm taking okay, it somewhere. Good, yeah, that's true. Than any of the other models here, because okay, it's got a low center of gravity. Yeah, it has some spiky bits, but they're curved over into the main shape of it. I could be fairly confident I could wrap some bubble wrap around that, and it would arrive in one piece. I'd probably actually not have the the rider on it when I was transporting it. I, would... I think the only thing the issue you're going to have is just don't put the dumb like anchor thing that he has on top of his armor. Yeah. <laughs> if, if that wasn't there, the model is like, okay, I do have to applaud Orc Safety because he has a safety belt. He is yeah, chained he's so chained down onto to it. this. <laughs> we, we are being safe, so we're not teaching poor kids how to, to do this improperly. Please chain yourself down to wild beasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be flying off at a high speed when your, um, whatever this thing is called, hits the ground. Chain yourself in, guys. But what what's the thing on its head? It just doesn't make sense. I don't really understand. Is that cloth or is it far? It's cloth, isn't it? That's armor. It's, it's cloth. It's armor and cloth. Yeah, yeah. it just looks. I know. I just it looks like a ball to me. It looks like a big toad thing. I just 
Which is why, I, but I think I, I it's think actually it's all right actually. Yeah, well for it does for for orcs. It's called a moor crusher, big teeth. Yeah, mm. original. Yeah. So anyway, he's sixty-five pounds, which is considering what we were talking about last week in terms of the new drop ships from Spartan Games. Yeah. Wait, what are the dimensions of this? Uh, not as big as a drop ship. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's in what you probably need three of these, and it's not made of <laughs> resin. Yeah. Uh, then you have the mega boss on the war crusher, on so, the war crusher, which is completely different from the previous model. Not the same, even though it looks remarkably similar. Look, it's painted a different color. It can't be the same. <gasps> well, the other guy has an anchor on his head. This guy has a circular skull thingy on his head. Yeah, so it must be different. And he doesn't have the thing on his face. That's about it. Right, yeah, right. So you can see his beady little eyes as he's looking at you. But he is exactly the same price. <laughs> I mean, for me, I don't think we need... Do we need to go through any more of them? Wait, is there anything? <laughs> nah. Da Boss's Boys, which is a couple of uh, the other kits for the same price. You know, going from their design styles of the 40k orcs, their armor ha- is taking on aspects of the new model sets. Their armor in the jagged way it's cut... And spiky cut in, in kind of broken apart. It's all about whatever aspect design, design style they used um, when they came out with, I think, 7th edition orcs. What's this? Oh, no. I Sorry. I just remember now something that Lang and Nathan said on JD Gamercast. What is this? We have the Savage Oryx Boar Boys. Now... These are not oryks. These are orcs. These are ancient models. I was going to say they because got these square bases. But these are this. These are the old models for fantasy, right? For the yeah, these are the ones that came out with uh, at, right at the beginning of eighth edition fantasy. Yeah, but these are completely incongruous with the what we've just been looking at. With they totally different design style. Yeah, they don't match. Which they're, they're supposed to be the same things. Look, you got the same with savage oryx shaman. He's riding a boar, but it's not the same as these new ones. What are they? Where are they? The, the gore grunters. So here you have two... They haven't updated those models to have these beasts. Yeah. So in the same army, you can have two models which look completely different. This is just sort of showing what Games Workshop has become. It's just sort of like, we couldn't be asked with this because we don't think they're going to be big enough sellers. The thing is, the ironic thing about this is, they're selling models from the game that they destroyed in a new game which they made from the destroyed one. (laughs) Yes. But why destroy in the first place if you're just going to reuse the model? I think that is the question that everybody has been has been playing on everybody's minds for a while. Hey, look, it was so expensive to make a two-page pamphlet to to allow you to use round bases. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you, you got to see that point. Oh, obviously. Okay, let's move away from Age of Sigma. I think uh, we can say that. Well, from my point of view, everything we've looked at has been a miss for different reasons. I agree. Um, but overall, they just—I just don't understand Game Workshop's philosophy and direction. Hey, I'm ready about grim dark boxes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to 40k and talk about the most exciting pre-order that you could possibly get. We have armored boxes. Oh, yes, nice. you've heard it, people. <laughs> if you've been waiting for armored containers to complete your game, wait no longer. 
It's not like people were doing this before. So we have not one, not two, not three or four, but five separate different sets of armoured containers, <laughs> which are basically all armoured containers, but with different armies. <laughs> so let's talk about the one that is actually just the armoured containers. So this is the Munitorium Armoured Containers, which costs £30 for three boxes and some crates. So these are just massive cargo crates, right, pretty much? Warhammer cargo crates. Yes. Well, I mean, come on. What cargo crate do you know that actually has twinly bolters mounted on it? <laughs> that's you true. That's a good that's one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, that's my, honestly, for me, beyond the price, ignoring the price, because it's always going to be a price issue. But overall, adding more terrain elements that are themed towards your stuff, I have no issue with. I just don't understand why they have bolters attached to them. Yeah. The thing that gets me is they've even got bloody skulls on the explosive <laughs> barrels and stuff. They've got... Yes, the, well, I mean, there are skulls on everything. There are three skulls per side on the containers <laughs> And themselves. on the doors. But you're right, those... Why have bolters? Because at least everything else is making sense to the design style of what they do. All right, we got skulls, we got eagles, we got more eagles and skulls, and some sort of arch. What is even more ridiculous is... I've just gone on to the Munitorium Armoured Containers Tau Empire, which are exactly the same boxes with the same... Heavy uh, tooling bolters on it. Why would you have twin link bolters on? <laughs> well, why would the Tau Empire a be interested in armored containers from the, the standard Empire of Man? Why wouldn't they have their own? Or if they just robbed them? The thing that gets just, me about why the would you though. just not buy these? The containers by themselves for thirty pounds, uh, and you've got your own Tau Force rather than spending one hundred and ten pounds to buy your Tau Force with some incongruous boxes. But the thing with the bolters is they've got the little circle where the guy, you know, can stand up through it. Apart from that circle's filled in, so someone's got to sit, like, cross-legged on the top of that box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there a chance that they're they're trying to do this with all these other armies that were obviously, once again, we have an Imperium-themed set because we can't do anything else but Imperium, and forcing it down your throat that, yes, this works with everyone sort of thing, but we're going to show most of the people that it would work with, and we're going to throw a in there for the hell of it. Yeah, it's weird, because you've got Space Marines, you have Skitari, you've got Astra Militarum, which is Tau. the uh, Imperial Guard, and a Tau. The thing that gets me Very is, cool. on the Space Marine one, you've got the £30 for the containers, and then somehow you're adding £75 worth of Space Marines, which contributes to a Dreadnought, a Tank, a Leader... 85 pounds. 85 sorry. Yeah, it's so. It doesn't it's look just like the most thing. So you've got a Predator, you've got a Dreadnought, you've got a Terminator Captain, you've got a Squadron of Space Marines, and just looking at it, it looks like they've just thrown in the boxes. Oh, it's a start collecting Space Marine set, which, oh. if I'm not wrong, was fifty pounds, <laughs> <laughs> and then they're throwing a Predator in there as well. It's just like the laziest. Marketing scheme I've ever That's, seen. There you go, lazy. It just it does seem very very lazy. Okay, um, what do you think on the boxes, Matt? Uh, I'm I'm actually okay with them adding themed terrain. I'm just the price for what it is beyond the fact that it has bolters on it, which just doesn't make any sense. I'm okay for building stuff that's keeping. 
for any game, any game company that wants to release theme terrain towards it, the problem is you're going to be able to buy everything cheaper third party. Yeah. As far as that goes. Yeah, and if you want twin link bolters on, let's face it, everybody's got a bit box with plenty of twin link bolters in. Yeah, right. Um, it, like like Matt said, it's good to have some stuff which actually you know which actually kind of looks like your other models and links into everything. Yeah, I, I think the the armored containers themselves. Yeah, I, I mean terrain wise, great. Um, applaud the idea. I think the execution has been done poorly. And for I think, thirty pounds, you could get a lot more armored containers oh, from. Oh. Somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and the idea of adding these starter forces to them all, I just think is a big miss. I just, oh, that's ridiculous. I don't understand what they're doing there. So, what do we think? Hit or miss, Oscar? Mm, yeah, it's a mess. It's a big mess. I'd, I'd like to call it a hit in a way, but the, I can't, I the can't, stuff that they've yeah. done, which is a failure, has just sort of outweighed it. I can't get over... Yeah, I mean, if this is their big idea, it's a miss. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to call it miss. I was almost 50-50, but I could call it miss. Matt, how about you? I'm going to be wild and go 50-50. The idea was there. The idea was there. Execution was was very poor. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's leave Games Workshop behind. Which big is really good because relief. we have a miss on absolutely everything. <laughs> we weren't doing it deliberately, Games Workshop. It's your own fault. <laughs> Do better. And then we're going to move on to Spartan Games. So Spartan have done quite a lot in the last few uh, few months. We've seen various releases. We did mention a couple of them last episode. So we're going to kick off here with uh, something which is going to be fairly controversial, I know. And that is they have the Corinthian Club. So the Corinthian Club is an annual membership where for £25 you gain 15% off everything uh, that you order from Spartan Games directly. Uh, you also get four free gifts, one for every quarter of the year and special member-only offers throughout the year. So, what do we think? <laughs> Matt, I'll let you start on this one. Uh, I like the idea, but it has a couple problems. One is, it here's an incentive to go directly through the company, which hurts your local game store. So I understand everyone owns their own company. So, it, you know, Spartan Games needs to make money so they can keep making product for us. Games Workshop needs to make money because they post their stuff so high so they get their whatever people who buy their stuff and then you have like the local game stores who also need to make their money and they're not going to make their money if they're spinning the incentive to order directly through spartan games and I, my other side of the problem is once again i'm in the states the shipping cost the you know the exchange rate this is just not enough of an incentive to really draw in the u.s market yeah yeah i think uh you know, conceptually, this is a nice idea. It's like a loyalty card, yeah? It's like going to Costa mm. Coffee and, you know, you get your thing stamped every time and you get something free. Yeah. Um, which sounds like a great idea, but the difference is that Costa are a global company and can execute on a global scale, whereas Spartan aren't. No. I think that's the, the brutal truth of it. And this is a quite UK-centric model. I think if you're in the UK, this works quite well. But even so, £25. Now, for you to get 15% of everything, for that break-even point, it's actually quite high. You have to spend quite a lot. But you do get your four free gifts. You get your four free gifts, but are they four free gifts that you would actually want? I was going to say, can you choose the... You you can, but it's... Again, is it something you would normally have? So, would you be better off saving your £25, buying what you want when you want it, 
and not worrying about I have to spend a certain amount of dollars to get my £25 value. Otherwise, I've just wasted it. Yeah. So I like the idea. Um, I don't actually think this is this is good. I think this is a miss. I think, like you said, the idea is good. It's just made... It, it just... It wouldn't work. Yeah, and I think I think your point, Matt, as well about it driving to a direct route rather than through local game stores at times when local game stores are finding it pretty tough already is something of a counterintuitive move to me. Uh, I would yeah, we're we're just having a hard time in the states to justify when when distributors can't acquire certain things and and get it going, where some game company or games local game stores have it set down where they have a really good relationship. But a lot of these guys are small mom and pop retailers that just can't, whether they manage it poorly. I mean, you're not going to ever make, get rich by owning a game store. No. Um, okay. I, we have a couple weird exceptions. We got a cool stuff game store in our area, which is a card game focused online retailer. They do some real sketchy stuff as far as what they're allowed to sell and selling at and, and definitely get the bully areas of distributor levels. But, they're making probably the most money in our local area, but I live in a big city. I live in where we have millions of people here, and our game stores suffer fairly hard. Yeah. Because whether it's poor management or just, you know, the wrong climate or the, the wrong atmosphere, and these game companies or the little game stores just don't seem to do all that great. No, I think it, it's true over here as well. I've, I used to have a friend who had a model store, and, um, you know, he did it because he loved it. He loved modeling. Uh, he had a good community. He had a local um, club that I was a member of. We used to support it. And he went out of business. Uh, well, he closed his business because he just it just wasn't financially viable. Uh, he was only able to start it because he'd had a motorbike accident. So he got a big payout from that, started the store. Mm. And then he couldn't continue it because he just was losing money. So I think the same goes for gaming. Um, I see the same thing with with stores for that so I think a route that drives people to the internet where already people are being driven to the internet anyway is um, not not one that I personally would want to support no so we have a just to show that we are not biased <laughs> against Games Workshop we have a miss from Spartan so and then we move on to the world of Halo so Halo there have been several new releases uh, we have the Halberd for the UNSC. We have the Mac platforms for the UNSC as well. We have the ADP for the Covenant and the, what is it called, the DSC. Um, I just can't get my head around some of the Covenant names for their vessels because they're just a collection of initials. But anyway, uh, let's start off with the, the Halberd. So the Halberd class destroyer. So these are little little ships. Um, you get twelve of them in a box. Uh, Matt, are you a, a Halo player? I am not. Uh, I actually know very very little about Halo overall. I I think it's cool. I like the model designs. I'm actually looking up to see if these were because a lot of the stuff I'm really interested with Spartan on the Halo is the fact they're contracted licensed out to produce Halo. And Halo is an already established universe, but they're getting some leniency to create some new models. So I'm curious if this is a pre-existing design or yep. one of the ones that 
they had a, the ability to create. Yeah, this is a pre-existing design. Yes, yeah, so that's why I'm just seeing that now. So I'd say they're pretty spot on for for the design of it. That's the, they generally are though. I just it's pretty. Yeah, as we were saying last week, you know, they have access to three four three's digital models. Um, they work with three four three who approve all of this stuff. Oh, and there we go. Yeah, so we that's just sent as a file of the halberd. And there we have it. And I know that uh, this ship was a particular favourite of one of the guys at 343, so they, they pretty much had to get it right. <laughs> Looks like they did, I mean. So, yeah, I've not seen these models. And the only thing I would say, uh, again, is, you know, Spartan don't do themselves any particular favours with, we have a single render view, three-quarter view um, of this ship. With all, have, with all have, 12 on with the page, 12 it's not a close-up yeah. of one. And, and for God's sake, they're brilliant at doing the painted-up models and stuff, so why don't they just get some pictures of that? I mean, I don't know if these are out yet, or I think they are. Uh, yeah, having a series of photos doing the top, bottom, side, and, and rear shots of these would be... Just the three-quarter shots would be really, really important, I think, overall for a change-up for the Spartan photography set. Yeah, especially if you know they do want to drive people to their website um, to order, then having your, you know, it's your shot window. Um, That's one thing that Games Workshop do well. They do give us a lot Games of Workshop are very good pitches, at those yeah. sort of things. Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. Unfortunately, we use it to destroy their models, but you know. I know Phil loves the Halo stuff. He's been playing it a lot. He's been all about it. His local community has switched over and pretty much doing Halo right now. So all the other Spartan stuff has kind of slowed down in his local area, and it's all being focused on Halo. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're into the Halo universe, it's um, it's you know it's hitting that sweet spot, isn't it? Mm. Okay, so I mean, for me, yeah, I don't see anything to say that this isn't a hit. Apart uh, from the just the way they're, it, yeah. they're presented a little bit better, um, and I think pretty much the same goes for me for the for the Mac platform. You know the Mac platforms, they're big static uh, accelerator cannons, which you know as a traditional Dindrenzi player, I'm I'm all for. So <laughs> I know a lot of people played Dindrenzi in Firestorm because they reminded them of the UNSC in Halo. So yeah, it's I'm not a great fan of the Halo uh, Mac platform design. I must say, but there's it, not much you can do well. with a yeah. giant static <laughs> rail cannon thing. It, it does. It's exactly what it says. Well, it? I mean, you also look at this and go, "All right, do I play a space game? Cool. These are awesome space platforms in any space game you're playing. So even if you're not playing Halo, yeah, I think these are great as far as solid, just like space structures. Yeah, you're yeah. right. They could be used as a space station. They could be used as satellites or relays or all kinds of things, couldn't they? Okay, so next up we have the ADP upgrade box. So the Covenant ADP is a little escort. The firestorm is screaming at me that these are just Aquan Chimeras. <laughs> I, 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 I look at them and just keeps thinking Aquans. Yep, and again, referencing Firestorm, I do know a lot of uh, Firestorm players that play Aquans because they're reminded of the Covenant. <laughs> so yeah, they, they do look very Aquan, and uh, and they're cool ships. I, I do like the Halo ships. Are these existing Halo Covenant. ships as well? Yes, they are. Yes. Yep. If we go to halopedia.org, you can see the ADP class escort in, in all its glory. Um, actually, the... one of the things they actually reference is the model of the ADP for Halo Fleet Battles. <laughs> so the so the Halopedia <laughs> is actually referencing the Spartan model. 
Interestingly, though, they have two views of the model. Instant, instantly making which it better. Which is more than... <laughs> How did they get that? It's more than is shown on the Spartan site itself. So again... <laughs> Impossible. Spartan not doing themselves uh, great favours with their, their product views there. I say there's an inside man, but this is getting sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final release for, for Halo in terms of ships are the DSC-class support vessels. Um, now, these are the vessels, they have a little dome on the back of them, and this dome is actually where the elites do their training. So I don't really actually know that much Halo fluff. I mean, i played a couple of games, but I've never really... Aren't you the young guy here? Aren't you supposed to be like, I know all of Halo? I am, and ne- I've <laughs> never really had the Xbox, and it's always been Xbox I don't think exclusive. they've ever appeared in the... In game, no, these haven't. Um, I meant, ah, uh, yeah, like Matt said, I meant to be doing all the fan reading of this stuff, aren't yeah, I? <laughs> absolutely, you're letting your side down, <sighs> you're letting your generation down. But these, I like these. These are really cool models. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, what more can I say? I have seen the physical models of these. They are very, very cool, and they're quite different. You know, I think that's one of the things I like about them a lot is that they're very different from a lot of other ships you see out there. There's a lot of voids in here. Um, and I know this was quite challenging for some of the Spartan designers to actually get this um, this shape because they managed to do it organic with quite shape, a, quite a large amount of detail on it. So yeah, yeah, I've yeah. There's that. an interesting little bit in here mentioning about Spartan Games needed generating both the concept and the models for some of these classes. Okay, so again, we have a little look over on. Uh, oh, this time it's Halo.wiki.com or Wikia.com, the Halo Nation, and again. DSC class support ship. So this, so Spartan Games needed to generate both concept and models in some cases. The ORS Heavy Cruiser, which we reviewed in a previous show. In others, we could provide detailed concept of reference, but no models. The DSC support ship. So the concept of reference is they did have. I've seen some artwork that they've had of the elites inside the domes in these ships oh, doing their training, cool. and I think they've referenced that before, but not the actual ships themselves. So, again, it's quite a cool um, cool thing that Spartan are actually getting to, to co-design some of these things with 343. Well, as the new Halo games get closer and come out, we might be able to see some of these games actually show, or games, some of these models show up in the video games. Which I think is going to be the, you know, the completion of the circle. That's, that's pretty that, cool. That would be awesome. Very much so. Okay, so uh, what do we think for the Halo models overall? It's Halo. You can't... I mean, if they messed up Halo, I don't think we would have been talking this kindly towards them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think... Um, I mean, one of the things we haven't mentioned here is the price. These are £34 for four models. All of these packs are around that price. And um, you don't just get the four models. You get You get the overlay sheets, the bases, and all that kind of stuff. But even so, this is the price is you know almost what eight pounds, a little bit more than eight pounds a model. Let's just put that in perspective: forty pounds for one and Games Workshop, wasn't it? Well, yeah, we had fifteen pounds for one twenty-eight millimeter model, so certainly it's not approaching that kind of that kind of price. But but this is also it depends how much you're willing, I suppose, but. I mean, this is kind of what you pay for a support box. So these are resin models, mm. uh, not plastic. But again, the flip side of that is 
this is Halo Fleet Battles. You don't need multiple boxes of these. It's not like a box of orcs where you need right. three or four of them to be able to start building your force. You've got one and that's you don't need to buy another. Yeah. So in terms of investment into the game, this is a one-time kind of investment. So And it's a main faction. So it's not even some of the issues we have with you know Firestorm where, all right, am I going to buy this? How is this going to play with this? Will I be able to play it on its own? Is it the, all the stuff here are part of the two main factions, which they're seeming to take their time to release all the primary stuff and even expand before touching, let's say, a whole, what is it, the flood, going into yep. how the flood would work and what would go with um, whatever those ancient ruler guys are. I, I vaguely know very little, but uh, it's just enough where they're focusing on what's primary. So it's like that double-edged sword of, yes, you only have A or B, but at least you're getting a significant amount to play with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- for me, I think I think they're hits. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. Matt, what's your take? Yeah, I'm going with yes. Uh, even though it's a game I do not play, I think they did a solid job. Oh, just because we don't play the games doesn't give us uh, internet judging rights <laughs> on everything. And just to illustrate that, we're going to move on to Dystopian Wars. I do own a fleet of Dystopian Wars. Indeed, we do own uh, Dystopian Wars fleets. Do you play Dystopian Wars, Matt? I have played first edition. I have some local guys that I taught how to play uh, Armada, and I need to go ahead and have them teach me second edition. So I I do have a Prussian fleet. Well, maybe this is the time that you should get back into it, because the next one that we're going to have a little look at here is the Dystopian Wars fleet action book. And this is Spartan's fast play rulebook for Dystopian Wars. So, yeah, I've heard it. The rulebook is how many pages? The the full rulebook for Dystopian Wars is quite substantial. We we it's got a, a copy, big. and it's quite a big tome. Yeah. So the fleet action book is obviously going to be much smaller, and it's the same rule set included in the other release, which we can kind of segue into, which is the Battle for Iceland which is their two-player box set for the fast play rules. Now, this is, for you, Matt, obviously it's Prussian Empire. And for me, the Covenant of Antarctica. And for you, Oscar, the Covenant of Antarctica. Oscar, it's on. Next time I'm over there, we're getting it on. (laughs) We're playing those games. Definitely. I challenge you. (laughs) So you have the Dystopian Wars Fleet Action Fast Play Rulebook. Uh, stat sheets, movement template, card tokens, uh, multi-part oil rig model, a multi-part sea fort model, uh, dice and scenery sheets. So it looks like quite a cool set. There's a little oil rig there. There's a little sea station, which looks quite cool. But this is something we haven't seen really for uh, the other Spartan games. You know, a separate two-player box set for the fast play rules. Um, for Firestorm Armada, we had the Task Force boxes, which had the rules included. Here, we're seeing a bit of a difference in that we have this two-player box set, and also the rule book, if you wish to buy it separately, is a purchase. It's £7.50 for this fleet action book. In Firestorm, it's actually a free booklet with the reinforcement boxes, or the, um, sorry, the Task Force boxes. So this is a slight departure and it's quite we... good though isn't it because it's sort of like a leeway into the main game before you actually go well is it because task ah, force a is point. a very different rule set from firestorm um 
I suppose it all depends on how much they've changed it or how much they've adapted the rules. Indeed. So that raises the question that obviously the full Dystopian Wars rulebook is less than twice the price of this this fleet action book. So which way do you go? And from the website, I can't really glean any clues onto which way I would go. Because I suppose if you're just new to this, you don't want to go straight in with buying your fleets and your rulebook if you're never going to go pick up if it's this complicated. I mean, it's good because you could buy the two-player box set, you could split that with someone who wanted to start Dystopian Wars, couldn't you? Yep. You could learn how to play games from this, and if you liked it, then you've got models, which I'm assuming you can use in the main game as well. Yep. Yep, and then you can sort of slowly leeway into the main game. Yeah, and uh, here's the the bit for me that makes the two-player box set the winner. Because personally, I think the the rule set by itself, £7.50 is a miss. Why would why would people buy that? Yes, true. Uh, without knowing anything about it. Um, I personally wouldn't. I would wait for reviews. The battle for Iceland is £40, which is a pretty low price for a two-player box set with a new rule set. And it comes with terrain. This is not a. What I like about this one, that the box set itself, is this is not a pre-purchase impulse buy online. It comes with the extra components. You're not getting like I. I bought the space stations. For, I got because I got the uh, stuff yeah. from Task Force. I ordered direct. I do that. I, Spartan gets me every time with their direct order stuff. Even though I complain and go, <laughs> I'm never doing this, and I do it every time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but this one here, I, I don't feel like, well, I guess I really didn't need that. I, I look at all my models, but this one here comes within the two-player set. And even their other two-player set's not bad, as far as I saw. It has that hanger and everything, and I'm liking... I've liked all the Spartan two-player sets because they give me a piece of terrain, some sort of scenery of some sort, and a kind of a scenario, a mission, or some sort of little fluff element that kind of ties into whatever we're getting. Yeah, 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 and I think you know forty pounds. Um, interesting. What is this? I just don't suppose there is a dollar price. Is there? It's just forty pounds or whatever the conversion rate is. Right. So that's going to be about sixty pounds uh, plus shipping um, for the US. It's it's a pretty low price point for a two player box set with with minis of this sort. So that to me, I think the Battle for Iceland is definitely a hit. Uh, but for me, the, the separate rule book for the fast play rules is a is a miss. Yeah, it's sort of like a stab in the dark, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's kind of. I don't know anything about this. Um, and maybe if I watch people playing it, and I think the way that Spartan could have improved this is if they had some videos online or something like that, like they have done with Task Force. Videos would be um, great. You know, then that would maybe convince me because I could see. Okay, I've got these dystopian wars fleets that I don't really play because you know the game's too long or whatever the reasons are. Hey, there's a fast play set of rules. Oh, how does it play? Click on the YouTube videos or whatever they are. Look at it. And think, yeah, this looks good. I could get my local gaming group back into dystopian wars, or I could convince them to to start into this game. Yeah, um, that's because you know what it entails. Yeah, where so that's where the for me. The separate rulebook fails, whereas the two-player box set, I could look at somebody who wants to play, or has indicated they might want to play a naval game, or is it a steampunk or anything, I could say, hey, have you seen this? Doesn't this look cool? And they could like, hey, yeah, well, fancy going halves. It's only £20 each. 
That's kind of, you know, going to the the bar on a Friday night and having a few drinks. I wouldn't know. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Drinking's expensive. I know. <laughs> well, this year I'm looking at it, it's, it's a little bit cheaper than a patrol fleet for the most yeah. part for, for Armada. So, yeah, that's that's absolutely doable as far as, you know, because I already think patrol fleets are a solid buy and that's just one, one side of the thing. And here's a quick start. Nothing real big. It doesn't look like it has any very large ships in it. It teaches you how to play with their SRS. They got some little carriers, some little small ships. And and one of the things I do like about Dystopian, because of the scale and the, the theme of it, they have these nice little block trays for their fighters. And so it has that iconic kind of like look. Oh, it, and we even see down at the bottom, it's half the price of the normal starter set. Yeah. Yeah. Operation Shadow Hunter is uh, £80. When did... Um... I thought these were tiny flyers. Have they always been SRS in dystopian wars? Um, I, I'm going back to first edition, so I don't really count. Okay, because uh, SRS stands for short range spacecraft in Firestorm. Short range flyers. <laughs> what if that's a typo? <laughs> anyway, um, no. So for me, I think uh, yeah. Battle for Iceland is a is a hit. Mm, definitely, it's a nice idea. But we but we will have to see how the rules go. I mean, yeah. How about for you, Matt? I I've been tempted to buy it. I've just been okay. busy with everything else. I've been looking at it, going, hmm. You cannot get in. you cannot get better endorsement than than spending dollars. Um, and how about the the standalone fleet action rulebook? I. I don't understand it because, and I'm going to explain why I don't understand it. Because Spartan normally likes to release their stuff digitally, and it gives us time to, to kind of look over it and see the other stuff. Print, print is o- almost dead overall in, in a lot of ways. Especially Spartan's done really good about a lot of the free rules. I don't understand the reason to, to release it unless the fleet action has fluff, story, other stuff, and kind of get you in the primer of the background for stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I I would like to see this as a PDF, free download. Um, I mean, also, I think the way that this is presented, calling all Commodores and Generals and dust off your Dystopian Wars armies, kind of almost prejudges that, hey, well, you're not playing your games, so... <laughs> you know, it's, it's We're doing something quite, wrong. <laughs> quite a negative connotation to that, but... Um, yeah, I. But I mean, that's always happened with them. Um, like Firestorm, they always have they have the PDFs, like you guys are saying, like the free PDFs. So you could look through. It. Don't you didn't need to buy the rule book, but many people did because uh, I know that I prefer having the book. But I mean, otherwise, like you're just like, oh, we could try this out, but then that's either seven pound fifty well spent or seven pound fifty sort of just thrown away on something that could or could not yeah. work. Yeah. yeah, a video. Would, I think what you're saying is a video giving us an idea of how this game plays, what it's like, so I can get a better understanding and make my judgment call versus that versus someone going on a blog saying, "I love this. This is the best thing I've ever seen," or "I really don't like this. You shouldn't buy this." And I have to take a, just a judgment call off of some guy's blog that I either believe or not believe. Yeah, bloggers. Sounds <laughs> yeah, bad as podcasters. Cool. I was, I was about to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> okay, so what do you think? Hit or miss? For me, it's a miss. Uh, 
is edging towards the mess, I think it is. Is it paperback or hardback? It... I think it's a paperback. I'm going to have to say a miss without having a hardback and enough information. Okay, and then we have the final one for Spartan and Dystopian Wars, which is the tournament kit, which um, I don't think we could say too much about. <clears throat> and actually, I beg your pardon, they also have a Firestorm kit out now as well, um, which are pretty much the same, I think, as the, the Halo one that we saw before. Um, basically, you have... Uh, a free downloadable tournament guide that they provide. So again, they're showing their, their free digital uh, side there. Kit supports competitive or casual tournament play at any club. So basically you get prizes, up to 16 participants, blah, blah, blah. So again, conceptually, as we said for Halo, I think this and the Firestorm one are both hits. They're a good price. They're really good ideas. They're good ideas. Okay, come on. Phil bought his own just for himself. <laughs> oh, there was one other thing for Halo. Where's the pre-order section? Yeah, where is the pre-order section? Oh, man, Spartans suck at websites. Oh, you just go back to... Oh, I guess that's a dropship. Halo Reach, Command Reach. This one. There we go. So the final items we have for Halo Fleet Battles... We actually have some flight tokens, some luxury flight tokens uh, to replace the little uh, card ones that you get in your sets. Spartan have actually released some little ones, much like the SRS token holders for Firestorm. So you have a little dice that you can put in there. But these are actually little models on flight stands, um, unlike the ones in, in Firestorm. So you have little representations of the boarding craft, the uh, the bombers, and so on. So... Two, four, six, eight. So you get a lot of these. You get eight of each type, which is quite nice. And I know fighters play very differently in that game than what I'm used to playing yeah. with. And, and Phil mentioned how much he was excited about these. He raved about that these were here. So from a Halo point of view individual, he was very excited. I love the fact that they're elevated and not just done on a flat surface. So you have these elevated... Almost like frigate size, if you're looking at from the Firestorm point of view. Yeah, I'm just looking at the digital renders. They may be completely different in scale, but... These are micro dice on these bases, so... Okay, these guys are tiny. So these bases are a little bit smaller, I believe, than the new uh, Task Force bases for smalls. So that would put these at, what, maybe an inch long? Maybe a little smaller? But even so, I, th I think they're really cool. And I'd love to see the same style of tokens for Firestorm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I think that would be... I would pay for, for a premium version of those, of a small and large SRS. Yeah, definitely. They're £30, which... Two, four, six. So you're getting, what, 24, uh, 24 of these? Yep. For £30. Which... I don't know. Is that is that good? Is that bad? You get all of the dice as well. You get all the dice, the stands. Yeah, it's probably it's it's not bad. I wouldn't say it's cheap. I wouldn't say it's particularly expensive. It's probably average. But also, what it adds to your game as far as the visual effects, I yeah, I like it. I I think so. I I don't think this is something that anybody who's into a game would balk at. So for no, me, no, exactly. And if you if you don't play the game, if you're not like. 
you don't play the game all the time, then you don't have to buy these. These are just something for the people who want to add that extra kind of... Yeah, these are optional. They're not forcing you to buy these. So, again, I think... The price, to, I think. It's... Yeah, they're, they're priced appropriately. Um, so, no, I think these I think these are no, hit. Yeah, they're me. great. Definitely hit. Okay, so now we're going to cast our eyes slightly outside our, our normal remit and talk a little about and talk a little bit about some of the expansions that uh, Fantasy Flight Games have done for X-Wing. Now we have four of these, uh, a couple of which I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for the uh, the Inquisitor's tie uh, for quite some time. But the first of which we have is the Ghost Expansion Pack. So are you an X-Wing player, Matt? I am not. I am a huge Star Wars fan, but I have a hard time jumping into... I don't know, for some reason, I like the hobby side of my games, and because it's all pre-painted, it's been kind of a turnoff. even though I know that X-Wing is the largest selling of what is considered miniature wargaming, even though I don't know if this is really qualifies as miniature wargaming, they somehow group this in. Well, I must admit, I felt very much the same when uh, when I first saw X-Wing and thought the idea of pre-painted minis was just like, no, I don't want to do that. They're actually... But Quite, actually, they're really good. Actually. Yes, they're really good. They're and also, painted. I know a lot of the people that um, sort of are really into it spend a lot of time repainting their minis and personalising them. Honestly, there there isn't unless you're personalising it. They look, they look good. good. They're nice minis, and it's a lot of fun. Um, I wouldn't say there's the depth in the game that there well, is in something not. like five <laughs> a regular, what we would consider, I guess, a traditional war game. Um, Lots of it is chance. Fun, the movement well, is... Yeah. There's, quite a lot, there's, there's quite a lot of chance. The amount of times I've killed myself. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and a lot of the skill in the game, I think, is in building your fleet. You know, building, putting mm. the upgrades in, you know, thinking about what you're going to do. Yeah. And then sometimes what actually happens on the field is is a little bit of chance. <laughs> so Well, I, you know, okay, so coming from my first time in Adepticon, they had a large contingent playing X-Wing. Even though 40K was still the largest there, mostly the fun tournaments going on, but they had a full video camera set up over top of the tables. They did overhead announcements. The winner of the X-Wing tournament was getting a full expense paid trip to the, I guess, the world tournament over in the UK at um, what the Star Wars celebration. Wow. So they, they got some major support for it and had the gear there. They were ready to rock and roll. I mean, one of the things I would say about X-Wing, and it's going to come up in this um, look at the Ghost Expansion Pack, is it's a really cheap game to get into. I mean, for, what is it, about £25, I think it is, you get the starter set, which has enough for you to throw down, like the usual X-Wing versus TIE Fighter kind of game. You can play it immediately. You know, it has instant hooking appeal. And then there is that, if you're a gamer... There was that thing of kind of, right, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. Um, so I need a, an A-wing and a Y-wing and, you know, maybe a B-wing and maybe two B-wings and, you know. So it's a really cheap game to get into, but you can spend a lot of money on other stuff. And the ships themselves, you buy an expansion pack, it's, what, £10, 15 $20, which doesn't seem a lot. But when you get a tiny little ship... And if you're just looking at it per mini, it's actually expensive. So yes, you get cards and you get other stuff, but essentially what you're buying is you're buying, you know, the ship and a few cards. So it's a bit like Infinity, mm. you know, where 
you have a low overall cost compared to some games, but actually the individual minis are actually quite expensive. Okay, so this is Star Wars Rebels. So, okay, this is stuff I don't know, and and this is where I was like, what is the ghost? I, I've never even heard of... Yeah, and that's the other thing is, now you're starting to draw on other parts of the, you know, almost the expanded universe. So, if you just want to play you know, X-Wings and TIE Fighters and the traditional stuff, you can get into that pretty cheaply. And actually, you know, you could pick stuff up on eBay or Gumtree or whatever. Nobody wants the sort of basic stuff a lot of the time, so it's very easy to get into that. But if you want stuff that's competitive, and this kind of goes back to the rationale of this game, it's a lot about the tournament scene. One of the things with the Ghost Expansion Pack, it's not cheap, as in $50 not cheap. And although this is one of the bigger ships in, in X-Wing, it's not Firestorm big, if you're used to that. And... As it says here, this is not a complete game experience. Copy of the X-Wing Miniatures game core set is required to play. So you have to pay the core game yeah. cost. And if you think this is this is $50, so what's that, £30? So we're talking reinforcement set from Firestorm, which contains, what, three... Oh, more nine, ships. Nine ships, <laughs> plus parts for upgrades. Here you're getting a single ship. Now... It looks like about as big as a dreadnought, though. It looks fairly large. This is this is one of the biggest ships in the game, though, for the sort of fightery type stuff. Um, and whilst you're buying, you know, the ship and you're buying the cards that go with it, this kind of comes back to what Fantasy Flight strategy is with this. And really, X-wing is all about the tournament scene, right? So you and I don't play competitively. You yeah. know, we just play ourselves yeah. and. We don't care about whether we've got the latest competitive card because a lot of this is you will buy a particular box set, not necessarily for the ship, but for the cards it contains. The upgrades, yeah. Which are very useful, we've learned from playing games, the rockets and stuff. <laughs> but it's, you know, would you buy a, a different, slightly different coloured Y-Wing? Like you can buy the Aces, which are just a uh, tie interceptor of a different colour. You know, it has little red bits on it because they're the Emperor's Guards, because it contains the pilots that go with it, the cards that are those. People sell the cards on eBay for more than the models. Ah, so it's a lot like CCGs, where yeah. the cards, it's about building that right deck to take that right combination. The new expansion comes out, you must keep yep. up with the new stuff to stay relevant. So we have a, a game system that's designed around creep. Yes, exactly so. And if you speak to people who play this regularly... Um, you know, I know there was a lot of talk about turret factions. You know, any ships that have a turret suddenly have a big advantage because they can fire out of their arc, you know, so they tend to gain dominance and then other cards come in which gain ascendancy to other things. So there's this constant, uh, creep and counter creep going through the game is, is what I see and feel from, you know, looking at this as an outsider because obviously we're just playing for fun at home. So we don't care. You know, do we have the most ultra-competitive cards that are going to win at a tournament? No. But it doesn't matter, because we can play... You can get an A-Wing, I can get a TIE Interceptor, and we can fight that old Star Wars battle of yeah. rebels against Imperials. And it'll be fun. Yeah. And at that level, I think X-Wing is a perfect game. Uh, if you just want something light, throw down. You've got less than an hour. Let's just let's do some TIE Fighters and X-Wings. Great. Um 
the tournament scene. Don't know. <laughs> no, this, that's where it kind of becomes. I want to say silly in a way. If you're buying these for the, just the cards, but I suppose that. What do I know in a way? I, yeah, so I mean, the Ghost expansion packets. It is not of the original stuff. Like I think you said, Matt, it's the uh, the Rebels. So this is getting into mm-hmm. more of the expanded universe rather than the core stuff. And I think like if we look at some of the other releases as well, so we also have the Punishing One, which is a weird crescent-shaped ship. It looks like a crescent that a ship has driven into, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, I don't particularly like the style of the ship myself. No, it's not symmetrical. Um, but then some Star Wars ships are weird. Yeah. And this is, I think, the scum and villainy faction. So again, you're not even in the, the sort of core good versus evil stuff. These are the the Jabba the Hutt and, <laughs> and associated hunter, yeah, bounty hunters, all that scum stuff. And again, it's it's $30. Actually, X-Wing is typically more expensive in the UK than it is in dollars. <gasps> I know. Those jerks. I know. So it won't be £20, it might be like 25 or 26 Pulling a games workshop on us. Absolutely, yeah. It's a bit like Apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're paying pounds what you in the UK, what you pay dollars in, in the US for Apple stuff. You then also have the Mist Hunter expansion pack, which again is scum and villainy. Okay, so this box set's now blister. We, we obviously scaled way down on the size of this guy. Yeah, so the Punishing One and the Ghost are both boxes, in the same way that the Millennium Falcon um, and some of the other large ships in X-Wing are. Whereas the Miss Hunter goes back to a traditional blister pack, which is where you get your X-Wings and your, your Y-Wings, A-Wings, all that kind of stuff. However, it is still $20, so it's not the cheapest of, of the blisters. I think it... No, I want to say it's a bigger one, but it's not really, is it? It's... Well, it's difficult to tell from the blister because you don't actually know what, quite what size the blister is. That's true. And then finally, we have what I like, the Inquisitor's Tie. Which is a sort of, it's almost like uh, a prototype for the, the advanced, um, advanced TIE right. fighter, which Darth Vader had. And this, I guess you can see the size then. So that's standard so TIE fighter. So I was fighter, right saying that, that was one of the bigger ones. So, yeah, going back to the old Mist Hunter, yeah, it's filling a lot more with the blister than the, the old TIE. Although the ties very rarely do. <laughs> you come yeah. with a lot in there, huh? So that comes with a lot of cards. Yeah, so this is it. In a standard blister, um, you get the ship, and the ship is really the, the minority of what you get. So you get the ship, the two little uh, flight stands, you're going to have it at different heights. Uh, your actual flight base, you get different inserts depending on what pilots you're running. Uh, you get a set of pilots, and then you get your set of upgrades. Plus all the tokens you need. So you get stress tokens, and you get your shields, lock tokens. You get your movement die. Dial, Apparently sorry. it's listed as TIE Advanced Prototype. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, so this That's is interesting. This is the one that was kind of between a TIE Fighter and Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. Right. So, so again, it's not kind of in the core stuff. This is in the more of the expanded universe and the, the background of Star Wars. And then it goes into... Obviously, the site goes into a little bit about some of the stuff it can do, which is quite cool. That's actually not bad. I like the fact that they took the time to do a preview on the site. Yeah, I mean, Fantasy Flight are very good about how they release these. So they'll we're just looking now at the Hunted by the Inquisitor page on the Fantasy Flight site. 
So you see the blister pack, you see everything that comes with it, and then we'll talk about how it does it. So here's an X-Wing, here's the Inquisitor, and hey, here's a neat little trick it can pull. And look, it can basically switch around from a guy who's on his six to come around so he can fire back on it. Uh, then it talks about builds. So it's saying, okay, if you get this card, this uh, particular pilot, these are the things, it can do this. Um, and then it's got, hey, you can also run it with, how about running it with a TIE bomber plus, you know, these other things. So it gives you ideas on how you might use this, you know, where this ship might be useful, which I think is really, it's a really nice touch to have that involvement in the game, I think. We don't even have that in Games Workshop, let alone any Spartan games. I don't think you even get that in Privateer. No, I think Fantasy Flight, in terms of that kind of preparation and uh, engagement with customer, are, are really good. They're really best in class for that. Yeah, absolutely. I I love Star Wars. The game has very, very little draw beyond the ease of putting it together, especially on understanding more that it's a scaling game, and I know my own neuroses, so I don't think <laughs> I would want to be involved in such a thing. So, uh, yeah, so I, I would stay away from me, but yes, this is definitely just on its preparation its involvement in display of the community. This is a huge, you know, positive. Yeah. I mean, for me, I always think, you know, my first view into X-Wing was very much, but these are tiny ships. Is that all you get? But then, like you say, actually what you get in a blister, you get a lot. You get a lot of stuff. Coming from very model-orientated games. Yeah, exactly. We're expecting a lot more from it, but it's not really about that. Yeah, and... um, then it, it's quite clever, it's quite elegant in some of its, its playstyle aspects as well. Uh, you know, things like the movement dial and uh, how it handles upgrades and those kinds of things are quite yeah. neat. It's kind of almost... Uh, it's not like a role-playing game, but it's it has elements of that kind of building... It's your, very your customizable. Yeah, very customizable. So although you've got a TIE fighter, you know, your TIE fighter might be completely different from the next guy's TIE fighter because... You're running elite pilots. You've got concussion missiles or whatever it is that you can have. Actually, you can't. You can have almost nothing on a Tie Fighter, but um, <laughs> yeah. oh, an X-wing might be. No, yeah, example. we get the upgrades. You know, it's like okay, I'm running this astromech droid who allows me to do this. You know, um, yeah. Your listeners are going. He's cheating in his game. <laughs> yeah, he's taking concussion missiles on a Tie Fighter. <laughs> and I wonder why I always lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Tie Fighters don't have shields. Oh God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and it's very you know you can cater to lots of different playstyles. Um, We're talking like that. The ships are very different because you know how I've got that massive uh, bomber, which I, I can yeah. almost pit. I can pretty much put the every K-ring, single type of rocket on that. Yeah, but it's when fantastic. you lose that, I you've lost it. the game basically. Yeah, because it's the only thing I can afford. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, standard game is like 100 points, isn't it? And you spent almost 80 on that thing. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was very difficult to take down. What do you mean? I thought I won. Exactly. <laughs> it was very difficult <laughs> to take down. I couldn't. Oh, okay. I thought you were insinuating that. No, no, no. No, my, my success record in X-Wing is not as high as in Firestorm. That's, that's true, actually. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, so for me, actually, I think these... Uh, certainly the tie. Uh, Inquisitor's tie for me is a hit. I think it's a really nice looking ship. I've been waiting for it for a while because I, I think it looks cool. It's a, I think the majority it's a tie of fighter us with can, curved wings can say that <laughs> because 
we're all familiar with TIE Fighters. We all like TIE Fighters. I just think it's a shame that the others are sort of not the original... They're not from the original films or anything, I'm assuming. They're all sort of off to the side. They're not with the main factions. And for me, I think that just for the price that they're asking for something that I haven't really seen. Yeah, I think that that's, for me, like you say, with some of these other ones, I mean, the Mist Hunter, Punishing One, Ghost, they're not ships that I've seen in Star Wars. And... Right, well, you have a bigger draw to like, yeah. the Millennium Falcon. You know, you get Slave One. You're starting to see stuff at X-wing yeah. and Tie Fighter. You're like, oh, well, I know and these. even I mean, the, the Inquisitor's Tie. We've not seen the Star Wars, but it's very similar. You know, it's it's relatable. It's obviously yes. of that Tie family. The only difference um, is the wings. Yeah, it's the wings, and you can sight, sort of see the bridge. I mean, it, actually, the fluff is it's tasked personally by Darth Vader with a mission to destroy all children of the Force. The Inquisitor was given access to the Empire's latest technologies. You know, and you can kind of see that, so it makes sense, even if you don't know anything about it or the background or anything like that. Um, you know, and that expansion pack is eleven pounds, so it's not a huge amount of money. Mm. You know, that's the other thing with Fantasy Flight. I think eleven pounds is kind of almost impulse buy territory. You know, it's just like hey, it's, hence it's the ten pounds plus mistakes a pound. were made <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whereas something like the Ghost. You know, when you're having to spend $50... Especially considering you're going to need something else to play with. You can't just play with the ghost. Uh, well, yeah, you're already going to have to have an existing force. Um, I mean, what is the... Uh, so the ghost is almost £40. It's 35 from Chaos Cards, which is discounted in the UK. £35 isn't an impulse buy in the same way that £11 is. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that goes very, very good on the tie-in of why this game is doing so well. It's already pre-painted. It's cheap overall for to for what you, anyone can get into it because it's the that level of entry is so so low. And even if they don't stay with it, they've already bought in and bought that initial early buy. Yeah, yeah. Where you look at some of the even I, I you know what I know. Was it Privateer Press? And we're going to cover this when eventually when they come out. They're apparently coming out with some very, very cheap starter sets and taking advantage of that idea of, of what can I do to make it super cheap to get people in. Yeah, and I think you know we've seen that from quite a few uh, manufacturers recently about that sort of lowering the point of entry to games, which I think is is a great idea generally. And you know I think we've said it before. We kind of live in a bit of a golden age of gaming where we've never had it so good in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, but I think that brings a lot of challenges as well because it's becoming very competitive out there. Um, and there's a lot of choice. So there's no guarantee that a new startup game will last any length of time. You know, and the rise of X-Wing. I mean, how long has X-Wing been out? A few years? Yeah, two, three years at most. Yeah. I mean, it's risen meteorically, but it's a fickle industry, right? In two years' time, X-Wing might not exist at all as a tournament game. You know, it might just be the few people who are just playing it, you know, as a legacy kind of thing. Yeah. In right. the same way that Warhammer uh, is being played now, because Warhammer doesn't exist as a tournament game. It's not supported. It's but I hardly think they're going to destroy the Star Wars universe and make some. <laughs> hey, you don't know. Jar Jar well, could be Darth, you know, Snooky, whatever he is in there. So it, Darth it could happen. Snooky. Nah, nah. <laughs> hey, you, I, I don't know. Breaking news here. They're doing reshoots of Rogue One. 
Disney executives. Oh, apparently it was not, too dark. Yeah. Yeah, Disney executives did not like how it was going. So as I'm like, I'm in the oh, land no. of the mouse, and so I'm going, hmm. What exactly? They're making it a musical. <laughs> <laughs> the wife will be delighted. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame because uh, I mean the best film of oh, the, the Star dark. Wars legacy is The Empire Strikes Back, which is the darkest film of all. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Arguably. There'll be people out there who say, No! Turn the Jedi was better. If anyone no, says The, the Phantom Menace was the best film, you can just leave. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like Jar Jar Pinks? <laughs> Delicate subject. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we come to the difficult question of hit or miss on these. See, I'm going for the ghost. I'm Actually, I'm going to have to say miss, just because the several things of the price... The fact that you can't use it standalone, meaning you're going to have to spend that extra cost, and because you're paying so much for something which I can't really relate to any of the Star Wars films. Yes. Yeah, yeah cause considering this is more than the starter set. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to agree with that one, except uh, if, if I was going in from the other point of view and I was involved with the game, there's a chance that there's something that's really good that's going to help me in the competitive scene if that's the case, I'm going to stay neutral on this because I don't know. There could be something in this ship here that is a game changer. Like, we're already looking. I can see it has a turret on the back. So now I'm already thinking of the gamey side of stuff. Oh, it's a turret faction. All right. We're in on this one. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm speaking strictly from my point of view, the casually kind of gaming. Right, right. Yeah, and it's, um, we're just looking at some more pictures here. We've got, and again, Fantasy Flight kudos to them because they've got some really nice pictures here so for their recent release they've got all of the new ships so ghost actually comes with a little fighter as well as the main ship they've got the new x-wing and tie fighter from the force awakens which are in the starter set plus the other ships all in a nice uh, in a nice montage so you can see the relative size of the ships which is quite nice for us here so you can see the tie inquisitor's tie is is even smaller than the uh, a new generation TIE fighter, whereas the Ghost is huge. It's probably that's not going to be quite the size of the Millennium Falcon, I don't think. Mm. But it, I was going to say, I think it's larger. Well, I think it's larger. I saw a picture online. So it's it's a substantial ship, but yeah, in terms of, and then you've got a really nice 360 uh, view of it as well, which is quite good to see. So there's no surprises buying this ship. It tells you about the turn dials and different uh, ways of combining Inquisitor and stuff. Here it's going over the Ghost, different ways to, to combine it with things, put an X-Wing in there, all that kind of stuff, ways to use it. For me, I think I'm with you guys, because the Ghost, I have no... One of the big draws... Okay, just stop myself in my thread there. One of the big draws for X-Wing... For me, is it's the Star Wars universe, right? Yeah, it's something we can all associate with. We've all seen the films. If you're any sort of geek, <laughs> if you've been living under a rock for a thousand years, you might not have heard of them. But I mean, even my wife knows about the Star Wars films. She hates them, but she knows about them. <laughs> um, you know, she would recognise some of the stuff. Yeah, the Ghost, Mist Hunter. No, no, no. no. They have no tie. For me, as somebody who's not into the expanded universe and hasn't read an awful lot of stuff, I've, I've seen the films. I think they're cool. If um, I saw that ship and I wasn't and I didn't know that, it, like, not from X Wing, I would just think, that, oh, 
That's a, that's a cool spaceship. I think the side bits look like the ones on the Millennium uh, Vulcan, but that's it. But it could be, in the, in a slightly different angle, that could be a, a Star Trek ship. Right. Exactly. Like a trader or something. There's nothing that screams to me that this is a Star Wars thing. No. The Inquisitor's tie is obviously Star Wars, even if you... <laughs> in fact, if you didn't know the Star Wars movies, you might just say, oh, was that a TIE fighter? You know, because it looks like a TIE fighter. Yeah. Or what people imagine. You know, it's got a little ball with the two... To some people, bits. that would be an insult, wouldn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. that TIE fighter, Yada, spit on you. <laughs> so... For me, I think the Inquisitor's tie is a hit uh, because of that balance of what it's bringing to the game, the price point, the recognisability and the tie. Mm. The others for me are misses because they don't have those key draws. But a good point that Matt made is that if you were doing this competitively, then the cards or some of the aspects of the upgrades yep, they come from the other shows. I would still call it a miss because for me that's almost buy to win. It's just pay, like, pay to win. Pay to win. It, yeah. Okay, buy to win, play to win. Sounds wrong. It sounds wrong when you see being picked to pieces for this episode. But you know, the idea of I've got to buy this ship for a card, and I know the criticism has been levelled against FFG about this before. You know, if you buy the starter pack, which comes with your two Tie Fighters and your X-wing, it's one thing. I had to buy a separate Tie Fighter by itself in order to get some of the cards which really made the TIE Fighters work, because they don't come in the base set. And for me, that just feels wrong. It does, doesn't it? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm spending £10 on a model that actually I've already got, don't really need. Okay, I can run a TIE Swarm, but I'm buying it for a card. Yeah. The value of which probably costs them less than a penny to make. You know, it's just like, <laughs> that great somewhat. Um, because you can't just say, well, I've seen the card online, I'll photocopy it and use it. That's not allowed in tournaments. No. So it, you have to have... And it annoyed the other person. line <laughs> is that you have to buy uh, the ship and have the official cards, which is why now you see the cards are sold on eBay for so much money. So I don't like that. So for me, it's a miss on that because I think that's... It's just not what I like to see in gaming. I don't... It, it's over-commercialised. It's going down more the games workshop route of using your customer base as cows to milk. That applies (laughs) to pretty much any game, you know. Any online, like, even in, like, gaming as in, if you're going into console gaming and stuff, any game which is like, oh, if you pay real money, you can get a gun which does more damage or something. Which, again, I don't like. That just (laughs) makes it biased. Yeah, so we're not going to take the skill that you're bringing to the game, which is mm. why I play war games, is to pit my skill against somebody else's skill. Rather yeah. than like, it's your skill and a big gun, <laughs> plus that guy's skill. Yeah. <laughs> and even if he's more skilled than you, we'll probably lose because you bought that big gun. It doesn't work. Yeah. So so I'm going to declare my minor miss. I've already... Ex- Explain my. But what's your, your actual call? Oh, I don't like doing. You guys did a digital yes or no hit or miss. It's not called hit miss or maybe. That's true. We could make it that. <laughs> um, I I like the tie. The others I'm not so sure about because I don't know them. Like you said, it's pretty much what you said. But that's okay. It's fine to agree with me. <laughs> but I do like that they're bringing this sort of uh, the variety. And sort of trying to expand this universe because this is sort of showing to us that there is more to it and getting us more involved yeah, in the sort of point. 
the the more expanded universe of Star Wars that we perhaps didn't know about. But uh, overall, it's probably going to have to be the miss on the gaming aspect. Okay, and Matt? I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say a hit. As far oh, as... thank God. Yeah, well, you know, we got to have controversy. <laughs> I Overall, the models are not bad. They're they're fairly good on the sizes. I'm I'm okay with it. I like the how they're introducing it on here as far as what they do for the community on the website, give you an idea of what it is. Uh, you know, it looks like the games are still fairly small, so even doing a buy-in still not too, too bad, especially compared to everything else that we could go with. But, um, you know, from an outside standpoint, it's not bad. There's no models besides... And that's that one crescent croissant ship on there. I don't think that's the modeler's issue, but the cartoons designer issue. I'm assuming that's from the Rebels cartoon. So I'm going to go ahead and... Yeah, the flying the flying croissant. <laughs> right. So I, I'm going to blame Rebels for that one, but I, I like blaming Disney. Yeah. <laughs> that seems fair. That seems fair. Okay, so overall, it's still a miss on the... <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice guys. Uh, but a hit for the for the Imperium. So we, we like that. Okay, so we've been talking quite a long time now on this uh, large bit. We could talk on other releases, but uh, we, we're kind of out of time. So I'd like to thank you, Matt, for your time as uh, our frequent guest host. Thank you to all our listeners for, for bearing with us. That kind of brings us to the end of the episode. So signing off from the Hub Systems, it's Alex. And Oscar. And Matt. We'll see you next time. <laughs>